Hey guys, it's Timmy Lou Retton. Hi, and I'm White Mike of Wizards Nasty Boys. You guys are listening to The Dark Match Podcast. Lube up, spit on it, and give it a listen. Mmm, slide it on in because you're going to be here for a long while. So go and take your shirt off and let your nips breathe. You're now listening to The Dark Match Podcast. Let's go live into the studio for this week's episode. Whatever. What? Supposed to be the what? Bush. <laughs> really? That's what you're going for right now? I just want to enjoy my beer. That's all I want to do. So yeah, and I yeah, dude. Do you know what's been on my mind? Like actually, they came up in the gym too today. What's that? Yeah! <laughs> my God! Everyone just immediately turned on their like. All of their listening devices. Otherwise, they just turn this off or push like fast. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that Twitter exchange between him and Dana Brooke oh is god. hilarious. Like I can't tell if it's like I, I serious. Can't, I can't either, and that's what makes it ten times better. That's true. And then the fact that like Drake <laughs> Maverick, like, oh, what, is, what is going on with him and Renee Michelle? That's my. I, I think they dropped that whole th- that whole. Why? Thing. Because Why? He, they quit. Because he's I, he quit chasing the twenty four seven title. Uh, oh well. Which complete side note before we jump back into anything of importance? Did you see how a NASCAR driver won the twenty four seven title <laughs> last night? No, I did not. So I wasn't watching it I either. Watched it. I wasn't watching either, and all like I was scrolling through Twitter, and it and it popped up because they're in Nashville and they're and NASCAR's end of year. Awards this year, they're not in Vegas, they're in Nashville. So they had the champ and Kyle Busch and uh and Michael Waltrip, who's just he's just he's just fun and goofy. Like he you know he raced forever, he won three total races, but he's just goofy as fuck. Where they had this whole bit like our I for our truth came out. I don't know how like for some reason Kyle Busch and Michael Waltrip ended up like on the other side of the wall. Our truth came over to like do something, then all of a sudden Michael Waltrip just unzips his jacket and it's a ref shirt, and Kyle Busch rolls him up. Kyle Busch is the he was the twenty four seven champ. He like you know then they ran up the ramp, and then of course on like Instagram they he's like take he's like taking pictures. I think he's face he's supposedly like facetiming his wife or something. And our truth just rolls up behind him with a ref, and our truth uh-huh. ran out. At least uh-huh. last I saw, our truth was back to twenty. Well, he's like the fifteen time twenty four seven champion, twenty four seven thirty two forty eight seven eleven champion, European champion, European hardcore champion. Yeah, uh-huh. something like that. <laughs> My God, that man. See, it, but I I love our truth, but all like. Ever since like the Drake Maverick stuff like fizzled out, they yeah. like the twenty four seven titles kind of fizzled out too. It really has. Like it, it has they need such... to come up. Like our truth is great, and I love any time he's just on television. But yeah, ever since like the draft, yeah, that title just fizzled out. It kind of sucks. Yeah, like they need to have someone that just grabs it and is able to bring back like that comedy bit. That but that's what our truth did. But 
Especially, it was great with him. When? It was great with him with Carmella. But the, like I said, it was like, it was the draft. The draft ruined everything. Yeah, I agree. But speaking of something that speaking was not of, ruined, speaking not of, ruined at all. Ruined? No, not ruined at all. Ruined? 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 Really? Are we back on this pillow pillow shit? Yes. See, you actually it. said pillow that the first time. I did because, because I that is the cor- you. Because that is the correct pronunciation. No, I am waking up your life. I'm going to put a microphone in your face and say, if the cord reaches that far and my wife doesn't punch you beforehand, dude, I don't, dude she's like 15 pounds soaking wet. I'll just carry her down here. She hits hard. <laughs> she does. Exactly. I I'll got a good say, 100, po- like 100 pounds on her. Exactly. And I'm I'll scared just, of her. I am. But we have an extremely fun interview today. Oh, I, we've been waiting so long. And it's unfortunate because we tried to get this interview many, 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 many months ago. Many. And something many. something came up. Something happened. Obviously, you guys have seen who our guest is today. Something, and Some news came out. This is our first guest that we've ever had that has had to retire from the wrestling industry. And unfortunately, when we had him scheduled to come on, it was a week before... He found out some life-changing information. So I I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't want to message him. I was like, look, like I, I don't want to reach out to this guy because the last thing he wants to do right now is talk about what's next for him. It's like, well, the next thing for me is retirement. So, yeah. yeah. So I felt like, hey, let's wait a couple months. Let's Let's get him on. Let's get him talking. Like, let's just... Why not just reminisce? Oh, and just oh, bullshit. Man. And that's exactly what we, oh my God. If I didn't cut it off because I knew, like, if we don't cut it off now, and I know I say this all the time, unfortunately, you guys don't get to hear everything because obviously our, our, we edit. We take some stuff out. We leave some stuff in. You only get to hear the, the essentials. You don't get to hear everything, but if we didn't cut this off, this easily, easily would have went for like four and a half hours, easily. Well, this just also gets him to come back for part for a future part, uh, for part two, part three, three, part four, part five. Like this is gonna be yeah. better than the fucking Fast and Furious series. Well, that really series sucks. Yeah, it really did. So I wasn't really like selling this any more than I could. But let's just get into it. Like, this is gonna sell itself. So let's let's jive. God. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. No, you really don't. No, I don't. I'm so tongue-tied. I'm so excited. Let's just get right into it right now. Now, everybody, have you heard? If you're in the game, then the stroke's the word. Well, cheers to you, Dave, because this is an interview that you and I have wanted for a very long time. I think a lot of people 
have wanted this interview. They've wanted to hear from this individual for quite some time. We kept it extremely under wraps. And <laughs> for, for quite some time, a lot of people have been wondering what's going on. They, they hated to see this person go, but obviously health comes first. Personal, obviously personal issues are ultimately the number one factor. Yes, sports entertaining is great, but when it comes at the cost of potentially your life and your well-being, sometimes you got to hang up the robe and you got to call it a day. And you need to find new passions, which I know you ha- have told me all about the passions that he's found <laughs> and are extremely happy to have this person on. So without further ado, if you are bored... Well, why are you bored? Aren't you sports entertained? We have none other than Magnum CK on the line, making his return officially, the first return since he announced his retirement, bef- since he has... I, 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 You're I, speechless. I am, because I was there live, and in a moment like that, that would literally bring someone to tears. It's his last match. He's standing in the ring, and what does he do? He pulls a Bret Hart... And writes WCW <laughs> in the air. In a moment that would have brought me to tears, like, hey, like, this was my last match, like, I have to retire. He just goes, fuck it, WCW, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think I cried tears of, of joy and laughter in that moment, like, okay, this isn't going to let him down. It, it, it's not going to bring him down. So, first and foremost, what have you been up to other than, as Dave will Obviously, point out uh, he he wants some T-shirt sponsorships here. <laughs> but wait, hey, we as a show, we, as a unit, we well, yes, I want some shirts too. But I'm not. Hey, they pop out some good ones. Let's be honest. Yes, I, I have so many Ahmed shirts, so many. So, what have you been up to? Well, first of all, I actually haven't uh, hung up my my capes or my robes. I actually wore one to the post office this morning. (laughs) (laughs) That's how they know it's me. That's how they know to give me my mail. Um, uh, I've been up to a lot. And also, I will say right off the bat, the the writing, the Bret Hart screwjob writing WCW in the air was not ever something I ever thought I would do in front of a live crowd of my wife, but it just... It just hit me at the moment, and it's, it's since been the greatest thing I've ever done. So. <laughs> I loved every second of it. Loved every second of it. Well, honestly, I, I've been up to quite a bit, man. Uh, I really didn't stop, and I think I, I think when I, you know, leaving wrestling when I did was kind of was a shock. I mean, it was an injury that had built for about a year, and we actually have a documentary coming out here in a few months uh, that that will highlight all that, but. Even, you know, wrestlers have denial, right? So every wrestler that you see on a show is hurt somehow. Like, even if it's just their, their foot or their toe or their spine, like, they're hurt somehow. So you just kind of learn to deal with it. And I used to always kind of laugh at the guys who would go out with, like, broken tailbones or broken ribs or, you know, a freshly broken nose. And I'd always be like, man, those guys are crazy. And then I ended up doing all that stuff myself. <laughs> so... It was a big shock because I was in denial for a long time uh, about the severity of the injury. And it took several times of my doctor and physical therapist being like, this is a mistake. <laughs> like You have to let this heal or you have to you have to stop. Um, and and so I don't know. Part of me was kind of ready for my wrestling journey to start toward maybe like 
not wrapping up, but I, I think I was working toward WrestleMania uh, weekend. And then I was going to be like, okay, you know, how, how, how far do I want to try to take this? Or am I fine with just doing like a part-time thing? Because, you know, my back was killing me. So I thought, well, maybe I could just do AIW for a while. You know, that was like my home and that's where I love to be. And that was kind of my plan after WrestleMania weekend because that was always a goal of mine. And I thought, well, let me get to that, and 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 I'll, I'll decide from there what I want to do. And I and I, it was just a weird turn of events, and I didn't make it that far. Um, I had to make the hard choice. But um, but since then, I overcorrected big time. I got way involved in a bunch of other stuff, probably too involved. <laughs> a bunch of a bunch of theater, a ton, a ton of theater. I mean, since I've picked up three different theater jobs, like you know full jobs working in theater and, 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 wow. uh, and yeah, so I'm, I'm very busy, but, um, I'm starting to now correct back the other way and get back to some other things I like, like, uh, writing and directing film and, and working on it. Actually a kind of a secret wrestling project right now that I think is like a wrestling type comedy type project that I'm trying to get off the ground, but just haven't been giving myself the time for. So I've been super busy. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been nonstop. We, we see you all over the place, whether you're posting pictures from recent plays that you've done, working with kids in local theater, in local projects, commercials for cable and internet. Whether I, I do have to ask, is that <laughs> is that a parody or is that really a commercial? Uh, which one? Which one? The the cable one, where your family's standing in the front yard, and oh. then next thing you know, this guy's just on your house. It's like, how the hell did that guy get here? <laughs> no, that's an actual commercial. I mean, it's 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 a like a farcical, you know, kind of satirical commercial. That was actually a lot of fun to do. But that, you know, I, I and you're right, and thank you for mentioning all that. I, I do get, I'm very lucky in the sense that I'm busy doing a lot of cool things. And uh, that's a thing I didn't expect. I mean, I, I do some film work here and there. Like, I, I have a film audition on Thursday. Uh, you know, oh, so I do, that, I do that type of stuff, too. But the commercials have really picked up. And, like, it's funny because commercials are the, really the only way that I've found to actually even make decent money <laughs> acting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I get paid to run these theaters and do all these other things, but... You know, a lot of these films are small indie films and you don't really make much or make anything, but I'll do these commercials and they'll send me paychecks and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> that's what I, I do. do <laughs> you know, all I had to do was like yell about t-shirts. All right. All right. <laughs> so kind of going off of the t-shirt talk, obviously you've gotten a sponsorship with homage. And needless to say that there was one that my co-host sent me several months ago. <laughs> Where you were offering out? No, it was ago. only a few weeks ago. It was only a few weeks ago. I thought it was like months ago. No, I I think it was only a few a few weeks ago. Like they were giving away everything. Like the, the Browns computer chairs are what sold me. Yeah. <laughs> it would I'm be, like, it that would, would be a Browns that computer would be, chair, dude. That would be epic here for our studio. Well, yes, my wife well, would hide it every single time. Well, though. Duh. Yes. Yeah. So I think the one you're talking about, uh, the Dane Amish. Doberman, yeah, executive so Amish, dog, yeah. Homage was my favorite uh, apparel company long before I ever did anything with them. They have the coolest like licensing, and it's it's a lot of sports, a lot of wrestling, and a lot of retro stuff. But it's just their designs are retro and cool. I've been to their uh, home office and their warehouse multiple times, and I see how they work. And they they literally have like a room full of 
actual old vintage sports shirts and their artists like use them as reference and see how they feel and like what the print looks like and everything. So like, it's not an accident that their clothing is awesome, but I just always loved it. And, uh, the commercial you're talking about was for the Cleveland Browns. And, uh, we were giving away like a key, a Brown's keyboard and a mug and tickets and a chair. And I have to tell you that that Brown's office chair was the single most comfortable office chair I've ever sat in in my entire life. I honestly think if I get one, I bring it in into work. Well, that's the thing that they were telling me because I was like, how much did you guys pay for this? And like, someone's like, I think it was a couple hundred bucks. And someone's like, I think it was like four ninety nine. I was like, oh my God. This $500 brown chair. Why not? It's like you would decorate your entire apartment in just office chairs. That's like you wouldn't even have a couch. It would just be like six office chairs just lined up. Oh, just take just take the arms off, line them all up. Hell yeah, yeah. Well, they had me do a commercial in like an old limousine, town car limousine. I don't know what it was, and it was all painted up like the Browns colors and everything. And that thing was straight up like from the from the seventies or eighties, like, and it smelled like it. <laughs> <laughs> But, but yeah, I, I, I've been working with them a lot, man. Uh, it, it's something that's increased. So Marion Fontaine uh, does some work for them, and he's one of my one of my best friends. I just love him, and one of the you know, wrestling is a business of of of, of millions of acquaintances and very few friends. And uh, Fontaine is one of the ones that is an actual very good friend of mine, and. One time on a whim, he was just like, hey, you know, we need someone for a photo shoot. Will you come up? And I was like, sure. So I went up and I did the photo shoot. And they're like, hey, we have this new Macho Man shirt. Want to see it? It's not out yet. I was like, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even finish the sentence. You already blew through the door. They're like, what what size you wear? And I told him. And they're like, here, try it on. And like, hey, can you do a Macho Man impression for us for for the Internet? I was like, I sure can. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so I've been up there every month or so ever since, just doing whatever. Uh, and it's fun because it's gotten looser and looser because they used to send me scripts and everything. And now they'll just, I'll come up and they'll be like, they'll have a general idea. And they'll be like, yeah, just go with it. And I'll just try to make stuff up. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's definitely something that I'll, I'll drop, I'll drop everything to get up there. I just love it. One of my favorite things is every single year around like WrestleMania time, they always do like their favorite moments. Like every single artist kind of picks their favorite WrestleMania moment. And every single week they release a new shirt and it's absolutely exclusive. Like they don't sell them all the time. Like it's a limited time run. And I remember they did like their top five favorite WrestleMania moments. And and there was this huge countdown like, hey, number number three moment will be released today at this time and shirts go on sale at noon and, and they literally only have like three four hundred of these shirts available yeah. to, to the public and, and they don't regenerate them I, I unfortunately was on a business trip in minneapolis and i had my um i got one of uh i think i got the macho man and steamboat yeah and i left it in minneapolis Oh, oh, you idiot! No, I still I still have my Ultimate Warrior one. I still have my Ultimate Warrior one. You and like half of Cleveland. I, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I think that's kind of what put Amage on the map for Cleveland. Oh like, no, they were really big here. It's they no. put no, they got put on the map over the country yes, okay. for that. Yeah, Let's correction. Correction. Yeah. So I got my my ultimate warrior. Well, the worst part was that they came out with one after the Cavs won, where like obviously LeBron was wearing his blue, uh, the blue shirt. It's well, on they there. Ca- they came out with one that was actually black, and it, he uh, Macho Man was like the Cavs colors. And well, they only did two. They only are you made talking two. Macho Man or Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior. You just said Macho Man. Well, he, he was talking about Macho Man. I'm thinking about the like. Yeah, you're I'm, mixing everything. Yeah, up. I'm mixing everything up. Come on, <laughs> I, I'm thinking about my shirt that's in Minneapolis right now. That probably like some like uh, like cleaning ladies probably rocking when she's cleaning at home. And all comfy and shit, and she doesn't realize oh, how. Did you, did you leave it? You left it at a hotel. Yeah. Oh, somebody came on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, steamboat! No, no, Ricky! Oh my god! Trying to get back on topic. There, they came out with the uh, like it was in the cat. I can't even recover from that. I'm done. Well, my damn shirt, my poor uh, yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah. Homage. I think the yeah. The point is, it's a it's a it's a great company. Homage. dot com. You know, they they have shirts for everybody, and they're, they're they started off. I mean, literally in someone's basement. You know, and now it's this huge company. Stores all over Ohio, and they're expanding all the time. And every time I go up there, there's more people working there, and there's more stuff going on, and there's you know more space that they've taken up. So it's definitely a company worth checking out. Yeah. So homage.com if you have an H O M A G E dot com. I already found hey, I already found two Christmas three Christmas You're not shirts. Shit for Christmas. <laughs> okay, I already found like three Christmas shirts I need to get and they're and they're all uh, Christmas vacation related. Speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of shirts, I almost literally walked downstairs in that shirt. Dude, right? that's like three times almost. Yeah, we almost wore the same exact shirt three times <laughs> while recording. Well, mine has a different number on the back, but you you get the point. But so, kind of taking a couple steps back, obviously, we've talked about what you've been doing is since leaving professional wrestling, but kind of taking a couple steps back, first and foremost, what kind of got you into wrestling? Because anyone that sees a picture of you, they see your promos, it, it just screams Andy Kaufman. <laughs> like, seriously, with the, like when I, like, Pat's talking to me, and I'm like, I swear to God, this is an Andy Kaufman doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, Andy's a, a, not only a a big reason why I got into wrestling, but the reason why I'd grown my hair out for wrestling. <laughs> once, once I realized I had curly, puffy hair like Andy, I was like, oh, man, I got to grow this out. But uh, I grew up around wrestling. Uh, I mean, not just as a fan, which I have been, you know, ever since I can remember. My uncle was a wrestler. And uh, so I was at the shows and the matches, you know, when I was like, the first one I went to live, I was five years old. And uh, it was Wahoo McDaniel versus uh, Ivan Koloff in, like, 1991 in West Virginia. <laughs> it was like it was like a nine-minute bloodbath. Like, it was like, it was like the Hal Show version of the Russian chain match. So it was, like, lazy and ten minutes long, but they were just, like, head-to-toe in blood. <laughs> and I was like, I love this, you know. And I was, of course, I was scared of all the bad guys and, and then tried to tried to be friends with all the 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 little midget wrestlers and everything <laughs> and try to run around <laughs> with them. But so wrestling wasn't ever something that was weird to me. Like I grew up around I grew up around Chris Hamrick and Ricky Morton and those guys. Like they were just people I knew. So being a wrestler never seemed like a weird choice to me. And it wasn't until like as a career 
And it wasn't until I got into like middle school and high school and, and just like everyone else, I was, I was ruined by society. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, Oh, I should be ashamed to be a wrestling fan. This isn't popular anymore. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of was a, a closeted wrestling fan for a long time, but it was something that I was completely obsessed, obsessed with. I mean, I, I literally taped Monday Night Raw and Monday, uh, Nitro every week and just rewatched it all week. Like I would just rewatch both of them. I'd go home and watch them over again. And, uh, I, you know, I would, I would study tapes of like Ric Flair and stuff when I was a kid and just watch it over and over and over. And it was really all I cared about. And I kind of grew up pretty, pretty lonesome, really. I mean, I grew up in the middle of nowhere with kind of a, a family that didn't really have a whole lot to do with me. So I had a lot of free time. So I just obsessed over wrestling, dude. Like I wrote promos, even as a kid, I wrote, I made my own wrestling role playing game, like a tabletop RPG that I never got to play with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you lived by us, we would have played it with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I was just, yeah, exactly. I was just totally obsessed with it. And, uh, it wasn't until my senior year. And I talked about this uh, in my little speech I did after my, my, my last match there. I had a, I wrote an essay about how I wanted to be a wrestler and, and my teacher was like, dude, someone has to be a wrestler. Why can't, why can't that be you? And so I just started doing it. So I started wrestling when I was 18 and, uh, I did it for about five years, uh, consistently, you know, and that was a hard time for wrestling, dude. That was like, I was like, Oh, four to Oh nine, something like that. It was a weird time. Like it wasn't like it is now, you know, like all the veterans were dicks, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like, you, you had to like job out to some fat slob who was just like the promoter's buddy in sunglasses. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it was just stuff like that. So it was hard and I got really down about wrestling and my, my life was hard, dude. Like I didn't have any support or anything. And it's like, I was driving up to Cleveland for JT lightning shows, uh, which nothing against JT, but where I was on the card, I wasn't exactly get, making any money. <laughs> and I was like driving my old beat up car, hoping on, I mean, I drove back from Cleveland one time without brakes. <laughs> Jesus, how <laughs> so far did you have to go? Well, I don't, it, it was down to, I was living in Parkersburg, West Virginia. So it was almost four Jesus. hours, but like about halfway home, I went to stop at like one of those red lights that are on the interstate and I just like kind of couldn't. <laughs> like, Jesus. Was, so like something, something broke and like my brake fluid leaked out. So like if I slammed the brakes down as hard as I could for like a long time, my car would like kind of slow down. So I just got off and took like two lanes the whole way home because I didn't want to die on the interstate. But like that was a hard life. And then like honestly, and I don't, can't remember if I ever talked about this or not, but I was actually like, I didn't have a place to live for a while. I mean, you know, I'm like 20, you know, so it was just hard. And so I kind of got out of it just because I, I couldn't afford to be a wrestler. And I was just was really down about it. And so I went away from wrestling for a while. But like, more importantly than that, uh, I, I was <laughs> like, everything that was on was like TNA and Ring of Honor was just starting up. And I was just trying to like get signed someplace so I could just like have a job. <laughs> you know, so I was trying to be what I thought those places would want and not being the wrestler I wanted to be. So I just got really disenchanted with it and got out of it. And I did commentary for a long time and stuff like that. And then it was uh, right before my 30th birthday. It was uh, it was four years ago. Uh, I was 29 and I was just at Thanksgiving it was this time of year with my wife. And I was just like, I, I was just talking to her about wrestling and she's like, well, why in the hell don't you go back and try it again? You know? 
And I just made one phone call and I was booked on a show on my 30th birthday. <laughs> Jeez. And that's what, yeah, that's what got me back. But I can, like, the, the important part was coming back to wrestling. I was just like, fuck everybody. I'm going to do, you know, it took me a couple years to get into it, but I'm like, I'm going to be what I want to be in wrestling. I'm going to be the characters that I love, like, you know, the type of wrestler I would want to watch. And that's when I started kind of getting a little popular and started having some, some success, you know? So that, that whole like, fuck you mentality of like, I'm an artist. This is what I do. Like it or don't coupled with just literally making the choice to try to be the nicest guy in the locker room. <laughs> like I, not even just as a phony, but just like, I think happiness is a choice. And there have been moments in my life where I've chosen to be happy where I've chosen to be miserable. And I think Lanny Poffo, I've heard Lanny Poffo talk about this, like the happy bus or like the asshole bus or whatever he calls yeah. it, I don't know. But I would literally walk into every locker room and be like, I'm going to be the nicest dude here. I don't care. Like, I'm just going to be as positive as I can. I'm going to be as nice as I can. And that paid dividends, dude. Like, I got booked at AIW not because I sent them a tape, but because, you know, John Thorne and I had a mutual friend named Chandler Biggins who was literally dying in the hospital at a, you know, while we were at a wrestling show. And I just went up to John and talked to him for like 25 minutes about Chandler. I didn't talk about wrestling. I didn't sell myself. I had no intention on pressing him for a booking. I just saw John Thorne, the promoter, as John Thorne, the human being whose best friend was dying in a hospital. And I just felt such sadness for that and for Chandler, who was also my friend. And I was just a real, genuine, nice human being. And next thing I know, I got a phone call. I'm like, hey, you want to come join this thing called the production? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> so I just think that that's a good lesson in that, like, if you just – it's because I see so many people, and I'm guilty of it myself. Pursuing success is a complete waste of time because what the hell does that even mean? But what I started to do is instead of trying to be successful, I just tried to be good at what I was doing. Like I tried to pursue excellence and that I don't mean like, um, <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm not Bret Hart. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm the best wrestler and actually believe it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did the part AIW the same way. <laughs> I did. Uh, but just pursuing my own excellence of like, hey, this is Magnum CK. This is my brainchild. This is what I want to be in wrestling. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And, oh, yeah, I'm going to shake your hand and smile and be super nice about it. Man, that opened more doors for me than anything. Yeah, and I think that's one of the biggest lost arts in in wrestling today. Now, I obviously I, I haven't been in too many locker rooms, only one to be exact. So, And, and I've experienced how the camaraderie is in the back room and how characters are portrayed and then how they are in in real life as well. Yeah. And that that's one thing that really does open doors. There's a lot of people that they, they sh obviously there's a lot of people that want to get booked so they show up to shows. They they help out in any way that they can whether it be setting up chairs, cleaning up. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest things that someone told me when it came to people in the locker room um was the I'm trying to remember the analogy. They kept on yelling, "Be Colt Cabana," and yeah. I was like, "Well, what does that mean? Like, can you can you kind of explain that to me?" They're like, "Colt Cabana has been in the wrestling industry for X amount of years, but yet he is the first person in the locker room, 
and he is the last one to leave, and he will call you on your bullshit if you yeah. leave a mess anywhere. And that's like the biggest thing because you're running out of gym. You're you're not you're you're not performing in a, an arena that is strictly for your wrestling promotion. There are school gy- school functions. There's school basketball games. There's uh, kids literally just have PE in there too. If you're leaving all of your crap there, what, what's that? What's that gym going to do the next time you want to book it? They're not going to want to book it to you because you guys are slobs and you leave your mess everywhere. And Cole Cabana is well known in the wrestling industry because he literally will go around and make sure that everything's cleaned up, every hand is shaken, every single person, whether it be the janitor all the way to the person that actually booked it, gets a handshake at the end to thank them. And that was one of his biggest attributes and one of the things that he's known most for in the locker room more than anything is just the level of character that he carries. So, Well, I, th- I think that's a good point because y- you have to think of it like not to get too lost in all this for your listeners, but you have to be a professional. I mean, that's just exactly it. I mean, you can still have fun. One of my favorite memories of, of, of working with Cole Cabana the few times I've worked with him was he does <laughs> – I don't know if he does this every match, but I've heard him do this multiple times. He makes sound effects – like for some of the moves, like during the match, <laughs> like, like he, he, there was some spot where like, I'm not trying to name drop, but it was the weirdest match ever. It was like Grado and Swaggle and Bubba Dudley and Colt Cabana and me. And I was like, what? <laughs> in this oh match, I, I would love like, to have seen that. Well, it was a funny thing too, because, you know, obviously one of these things is not like the other. And, uh, Bubba Dudley walks up to me, you know, we're getting ready to talk out the match and we kind of, well, we talked it out. And then he, you know, everyone was basically, I was the bad guy. So everyone's doing their moves to me, which is my pleasure. And my favorite spot to be in is trying to make people look good. And not that they need my help, but it was just my pleasure to do it. And Bubba was about to walk out to go get ready to, to, you know, to go out to the ring. And he stops and he looks me up and down and he goes, kid, you look like a million bucks. I think you're probably going to have a good future in this business. Just not tonight. Tuck your chin. <laughs> <laughs> and I still, somebody brought me a chunk of the table that Bubba, uh, uh, Bubba choke slammed me through a table. So here I am. We're, we're getting set up for the spot and he's doing the dusty punches and I'm kind of, I'm kind of clenching my jaw because he's making contact with my jaw, but as you should. And then right about the third or fourth punch, I realized, wow, man, like, God, that's a solid punch. And I start to realize, like, oh, I'm seeing stars. Oh, God. <laughs> that's not good. And the luck, you know, and then he stopped and then you did the dusty elbow and all that. So they set up the table. Bubba goes to grab me for the choke slam. I'm thinking, okay. Because he, you know, he's a pro. He's going to tell me, okay, one, two, three, here we go. You know, and I'm standing there and I'm kind of waiting and he's playing to the crowd and I'm thinking I'm going to jump really, really high for Bubba Dudley. Like I'm going to show this guy that I'm selling for him. I'm there for him. I'm going to jump. I'm going to jump way high. Well, I jump as high as I can. And he's also like the strongest dude ever. (laughs) So I end up going up so high that the flat of my foot my foot goes flat on the top of the table for half a second, and I move it just in time to, like, land perfectly flat to the table. <laughs> so I, like, oh got, God. like, eight feet of air. <laughs> Jesus. But what I was going to say is, so there was, like, some spot where, like, 
Swoggle runs in and goes through my legs, and then Colt bites my butt, and then Grado hits me with something, and Bubba hits me with something, and I turn around and take a flying crossbody off the top from Colt. And as Colt's coming through the air, he just goes, Wee! <laughs> <laughs> and then, then, in that same match, they're doing the, you know, the Dudley spot where, uh, one of them holds your legs, and the other one jumps off the top and headbutts you in the nuts. Yeah, the waza. The waza. Well, I, I forget who was holding my legs. I don't know who. I can't remember who it was. But Grado went up to the second rope, went to jump, and his like knee buckled, and he slipped, and he foreheaded me right in the ball. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> and he goes, he goes to pitch me out of the ring. He's like, "Oh, sorry, mate." <laughs> <laughs> But that's, you know, of all this stuff, that's, that's, that's my favorite stuff. I mean, just those stories of working with guys where it's like, dude, I watched you on TV. Like, what? (laughs) Like, hey, I'm going to make you look like a, I think you have potential, but tonight I'm going to be the ever living piss out of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have a bright future, but just uh, not tonight. (laughs) Tuck your chin. Yeah, so Bubba, he was an awesome guy. I loved working with him, but uh, he put me through the table. And then did his little celebration, and then he grabbed my leg to kind of roll me out of the ring, and he goes, "You're fucking done." Oh my god! <laughs> Off to the showers. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Just get out. Just get out. Like what? Am, I, I saw. Um, I, I was at NWA seventy uh, about a year ago, and the opening bout was um, Scorpio Sky, Sam Shaw. Um, Colt Cabana and Sammy Guevara, if memory serves me correctly, <laughs> in an elimination match. And there's one spot in the match, and uh, Sam Shaw, who's now uh, Dexter Loomis, for anyone that doesn't know who I'm talking about in NXT, uh, there's a spot where uh, Sam Shaw had him in the corner, and he, he wears gloves when he wrestles. Well, uh, Colt Cabana ends up like biting his finger and literally, like, in trying to get away, he takes the glove off of his hand with his mouth. Well, then he goes through and he's smacking people in the face with this glove. But as he's slapping people in the face, he's doing like what you would do as like a kid when you were like pretending to hit somebody. Every single time he was hitting someone, he was going, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you could hear it through the entire arena. As he's yeah. doing this, and there was this perfect spot where he goes to hit the referee. The referee, he stops as he realizes, oh, this is the referee. I can't hit him. Referee takes the glove, slaps Colt Cabana in the face with it. But as he hits him <laughs> in the face with it, the referee goes, Whoosh! like just mimics him. I don't know Colt's bank account, but I can tell you if anyone deserves to be a millionaire in pro wrestling, it's Colt Cabana. I would agree. So I, I think just with his not only his tenure, everything he's done, the reputation that he's had, and just e- even the matches, even if it's not your cup of tea, yes, he's, I guess you could say, and I'm doing air quotes for anyone that obviously, well, I shouldn't say anyone. No, the only person that can see me is Dave, but yep. I'm doing air quotes right now. Like a comedy wrestler, like he still puts on fantastic matches, even for that style. He, he, I hate that. I hate that comedy wrestling. I agree. Uh, bullshit. I, I don't get it because it's like an actor is an actor, right? I mean, how many actors that do you know do comedies? But then, like Robin Williams did comedies forever, 
and then turned in some of the greatest dramatic performances ever on film. It's like, so you're going to call him a comedy actor? Like, no, he's just an actor. I, I don't understand this whole anti-comedy wrestling, especially from like, it kind of upsets me because I, I try, I try, and I, I promised I wouldn't get into and badmouth anyone, and I'm not trying to, but I have known Jim Cornette forever. I mean, I've known, he's worked with my uncle for years and years and years, and I've sat and talked to Jim Cornette for hours and hours and hours. And one thing that drives me crazy, aside from the problematic yes. <laughs> remarks mm. here and there, yeah. one of the things that drives me crazy, and also aside from the fact that he basically hates all of my friends, <laughs> 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 except for MJF. He loves MJF, which is funny. But uh, is he, he, he shits on these comedy wrestlers, he calls them, and then he did more comedy than anybody. Like in the 80s. I mean, everything was him getting his pants pulled down and getting a baby bottle put in his hand and everything. It's like, well, which is it, dude? <laughs> yeah, and we actually touched on that last week. Yes, he obviously the, the comment that he made probably wasn't the best selection. No. But it's not a comment he's never made before. I didn't see that. I don't know that that was intended to be a, a racist comment. I will say that it was a very insensitive comment yes. uh, just to make light of starving people. Um, I think people were drawing a couple correlations that weren't there. But I look at that type of stuff, you know, even as a director uh, myself, you know, inevitably an actor will come up with a bit or something or they'll, they'll play a character a certain way. And I, I think like, well, that's kind of offensive to somebody. Like I could see how someone could see that as a stereotype and we don't need it. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, that's not making this any funnier. Like, I don't think that comment, the biggest travesty aside from the insensitivity of that comment was that Trevor Murdoch, I didn't get to watch the match. I just saw the clip. But Trevor Murdoch is legit one of the best wrestlers, like, alive. Like, that guy, I've watched him wrestle one time in West Virginia, a main event, and it was one of the best live matches I've ever seen. So for him to get featured on NWA, whatever, and that to be overshadowed by a, a really tasteless joke is the real shame to me. Yeah, and not many people, even when they announced that they were bringing back Trevor Murdoch, a lot of people were even questioning, like, oh, he's still wrestling? It's like, yes. Yeah. He, he's, Dude, he's amazing. Oh, he's so good. Uh, and he, obviously, people just know him from his time in, in WWE where he was tagged up with uh, Lance Cade. And Cade and Murdoch yeah. had a great run as tag team champions. The problem that they had in WWE was they never gave him a microphone. And, and well, not only that, it was the wrong time. Yeah, you know, I, I just think it was like a weird time where, like, I don't know what WWE was doing, but it wasn't what they were selling, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. So in today's day and age, obviously, you had a little bit of time to kick back. You, you've done quite a bit in and out of wrestling. You're obviously still watching the product. Just out of curiosity, now I don't want you to put anyone, anyone on blast or any promotions on blast. But what is your current take in the wrestling community today? Well, I actually don't really watch uh, the product. Uh, the, the bits and snippets I get uh, are from like gifs online or clips on Twitter or sometimes on Reddit or something. Um, but I mean. There was never a, uh, looking at the products that are out there now. 
it seems like there was never a worse time for anyone to have an injury and have to quit wrestling. <laughs> That's it's like, true. It's like November, I'm like, hey, I can't wrestle anymore. And then like in January, it's like, here's five new companies on TV. And I'm like, well, great. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just glad there are so many opportunities out there for everyone. I mean, I'm not one of those people. I don't try to be one of those people who like crap on modern wrestling or poo-poo it. But I will say there's a big majority of it that's not really for me. It's not my cup of tea. Like, I'll watch it, and I'll be like, eh, not super excited by it. Um, I still watch lots of lots of wrestling. I, right now in the background, there's some Nasty Boys match happening in my living room right now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, because I'll be like, yeah, all this, the, the, the nowadays wrestling with all these wonderful acrobatic athletic maneuvers, not for me. I wouldn't watch Brian Knobs fall down by accident. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, I I try to be, I try to keep up with a little bit of what's going on, but just on a, on a surface level. I mean, I have a lot of people I know who are are very successful and I won't lie, you know, the beginning of this year, it was kind of hard to see some of this stuff where it's like, wow, I was just in an AIW locker room with like four of those guys and now they're on TNT, <laughs> you know? And it's like, that's kind of, was kind of a dream of mine, but you know, I don't know. Life just kind of ebbs and flows and it is what it is. And I don't know that I would transition very well to a TV wrestling product unless it was something that was a little more free and open and a, a place like you said with with murdoch a place where i could have a mic and i could have some freedom and kind of create i don't know that a three-minute match on tv has ever been my strong suit <laughs> <laughs> i think i'm a live performer uh and i don't know when i look it's easy for me to look at all the opportunities that so many people i know are getting right now and it's easy to be very jealous of that and think like wow like what would have been for me i don't know but I don't know. It, it, there's a weird part of me too that's always been a fan of like cult classic type of things. And sometimes I think about like, you know, I only had a year. I had exactly one year at AIW. And I think what I managed to do there with the opportunities I was given is pretty incredible. Uh, and something I'm proud of. So if I could be one of those guys that's like, yeah, did you ever get to see him wrestle? Like, yeah, 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 I saw him at the Absolution when they won the belts. And it's like, oh, shit, man, I never got to see him. That's still kind of a cool thing for me, too. So when this documentary is finished, we, we finished filming most of it now and uh, putting the footage together, and I have about, you know, a few hundred hours of match and promo footage that we're combing through right now to make the thing. Um, I think that they'll kind of seal that deal a little bit. It'll be like, wow, you know, this was a really popular guy you probably never heard of. Uh, and that's kind of cool in its own way. It's unfortunate because obviously you you kind of see your popularity kind of at an all time high. You you stepped away from wrestling. Um, I, I guess you could say just to to make a living to get out of the streets and and really put your bearings down, start a family, and then all of a sudden your wife looks at you. It's your coming up on your 30th birthday and she just looks at you and i'm sure she's your biggest inspiration just kind of looks at you and says why not yeah and well, why, she, why yeah, not do she, it yeah she absolutely is and that's exactly what happened i mean we were at her sister's house and i was just kind of talking about it and i was like man you know i don't know what was making me think about it so much and i've been talking about it for a while and she's like and we ju- we had just made a documentary <clears throat> at the time that was in 
it, 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 we'd already filmed it. It was editing at the time, and that's called Marking Out. It's on the Amazon Prime. But I think that's really what got my brain going because we went to Chikara and, and multiple times, and we went to all these different shows, and we met Stan Hansen and Ric Flair, and we did all these interviews, you know. And uh, wrestling was just really top of mind. And she was like, well, what are you waiting for? Just go try it and do it. She's like, give me one good reason why you shouldn't. And I didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> And even with everything that happened, I'm glad I did it. I mean, listen, I'm I'm better now. Like, I don't know how much you want to get into all that, but uh, you know, a, a year ago, uh, right now, a year ago, I could barely walk around, man. Like, I could barely walk. And we have footage of me. Uh, you know, my second to last match was with Space Monkey in Ohio, and uh, there's footage of me before the match in the locker room just hobbling around. There's footage of me after, you know, even worse. And then the next morning, I'm just like stiff as a board. I mean, one wrong step would ruin my day because it would jack up my back for the whole day. So, I mean, where I am now, I feel basically completely healthy physically because the main reason is I'm not getting in a car crash in the wrestling ring every weekend. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's a weird thing, but this injury that I had, I had a spinal weakness from birth that I didn't even know about because, you know, my parents never, they didn't, they didn't have to get ultrasounds and stuff. They just had a baby, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> uh, generally that the spina bifida occulta is actually relatively common. It's just diagnosed in the womb and you know about it. And if you ever see anybody on their lower back and they have two little dimples in their lower back, which I've always had since I was a kid, a lot of times that that's a good sign that they have this spina bifida occulta. Normally, for most people, it's not a problem ever in their life. But most people aren't pro wrestlers, <laughs> you know, right? And what happened was we had we we finally found the footage. It was it was one week before I debuted at AIW, and I wanted to start doing the Macho Man Randy Savage elbow, and I don't know why. I just always loved Randy, and my capes were patterned after his original capes, you know, in like the mid eighties. And I was just like, you know, I'm a big guy. I want to do a classic move. I want to do the elbow. And so I tried it on a couple of shows, and it was kind of wonky. And, and then I started getting better at it. And then it was the week before AIW. I was wrestling a friend of mine, someone I used to watch when I was a teenager at the local wrestling shows, and I, I really liked the guy. And he was laying at a weird angle. And I went to do the elbow, and I, and I thought, man, I'm going to smash him. Jeez, because I just crushed a guy like the week before in Pittsburgh. And I was like, I don't want to hurt this. You know, I like this guy. I don't want to hurt him. So I I leaned my body to the left. And what I essentially did was to take the pressure off and landing on him, I basically gave myself an atomic drop from the top rope all the way across the ring. And it just was a bad angle. And you can see it in the footage. We finally found it for the documentary. It took me forever to track down this footage. But it was one of those things where that night I didn't sit and think, oh, I just broke my back or, oh, I have spina bifida because I didn't know. I just thought, oh, I hurt my ass. Uh, it'll probably be fine in a few weeks. The next week I debuted for AIW. I did two elbow drops off the top. I did all this other stuff, you know, and I wrestled for a year with this injury that just kept getting worse and worse and worse. But the big mistake I made was I thought it was my back. I mean, it, it, where, where, the, where the cracks and the the – the um what do you call stress fractures were basically down by your tailbone 
is where your tailbone connects to your spine. That's where the, that's where the technical, the spinal weakness is in my body. So I thought, well, hell, my back hurts. I'll just stop landing on my back. I'll just do some atomic drop spots, some Terry Funk stuff, and I'll land on my butt, and then I'll heal up. Well, I didn't know. So it turns out that was the dumbest thing I could have done. I should, I could have done back bumps all year, but I was doing all these butt bumps and making the crowd laugh and trying to, and my back just kept getting worse and worse. And I'd pile into the car. I drive, I drive to Toronto, man. It's like nine hours, you know? So it's like I'm sitting in the car. I'm trying to put pillows on the seat because I'm like, what's up with my lower back? Like, I don't know what's going on. And then I started feeling the pain down my legs. Like, I, I stopped lifting my legs, you know, because I was like, man, I'm having all this pain. And I started losing weight, you know. And I, I you, you lie to yourself, especially when you're a wrestler. You think, oh, I'm just going to lean down. I'll be lighter. Maybe if I lose some weight, my back will feel better. The truth was I was losing strength, <laughs> you know. I mean, I was just – I was really messed up. And a year ago, I could barely walk, you know. I mean, I was limping around everywhere. And uh, even up until early this summer, I mean, I, I did a musical uh, this summer and someone I knew came to the show and like, yeah, I could tell. Are you OK? And I was like, yeah, why? And like, oh, I could just tell you were kind of limping a little bit. And I was like, damn it. I don't want anyone to see that. And then uh, honestly, just within the last few months, everything's been feeling a lot more normal. I feel like I'm walking normally. Uh, I ran for the first time this weekend. I ran for the first time in a year because Matt Riddle. Uh, you guys know Matt Riddle, right? Bro, yes. <laughs> he, uh, I, I, I got to know Matt Riddle, Riddle a little bit. Uh, I ran into him a few times, and, and I was hanging out with him and, and uh, did some training with him. And he gave me like this uh, running sprint workout that he used for uses for cardio for for wrestling. And I was doing that up until the end, you know, I, I, the last couple months of wrestling, I couldn't run. So I just, I would do the elliptical, but last weekend I ran for the first time in a year. So, I mean, I'm getting back to my normal feeling self. So did like to get like rid of all the back pain and whatnot, did you just quit doing like quit working out, just stop everything? Or did you do like almost like physical, like some sort of physical therapy or getting to yoga or, or something like chiropractor or well, yeah. so so this happened so the initial injury happened uh in november 2017 and then i i i did i kept wrestling and then in march in new jersey it got worse i wrestled in new jersey i drove like 13 hours home i, I literally drove 13 hours to new jersey wrestled one match <laughs> got back in my car i drove 13 hours home you are and a maniac week, that week it was the worst uh, I'd felt. So my wife finally convinced me to go see the doctor because you know you just think it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's fine. I'm a wrestler. It happens. It happens. You know, like I had just broken my nose. Uh, well, I didn't break my nose. A guy broke my nose <laughs> <laughs> uh, in like March, I think it was, and then uh, that that same month. And then the week later at the Arnold Classic, with a broken nose, I wrestled eight matches for a tournament. You know, so like I was all in on being a dumb wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> well, that was the thing. I don't know if you know Super Oprah. Uh, yes. The okay, yes. So, so Super Oprah is a longtime really good friend of mine for years. I mean, from like my old days, from like 2004. And uh, one of my matches was against Super Oprah. And I remember talking to Oprah and being like, all right, I broke my nose last week. Uh, so whatever you do, just don't grab me by my, by my face or when you, whatever, like just stay away from my nose. The first thing Oprah does 
is run me into the post and then pick me up by my face. Jesus. <laughs> and then that the, sounds like Oprah. You know, you know the you know the, the the asshole pin where they like they pin you and then they put the forearm over your face. Then Oprah did that, and I was like, oh. I have a broken nose. Oh, like, Jesus, God, please! <laughs> oh my God. But, so that that March, I went in and I got some preliminary stuff done, and they didn't really see anything. And so I thought, well, okay, but they didn't do any X-rays. They just kind of were checking me out, and they gave me some massage therapy and like manipulation and all that. And I was like, okay, but then I went back to somehow New Jersey. I don't know why, but I had a TV taping for Capital Wrestling in New Jersey. And so I went up there with my family, and they went and saw a Broadway show, and I went and wrestled across the river in Hoboken. (laughs) 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 And and it was a TV taping, and the guy I was wrestling was one of my favorite guys I've ever wrestled, but he was a little bit shorter than me, and I wanted to do this spot where I do these couple of atomic drops, and I sell, and I hump the air, and it's all funny, and blah, blah, blah. But I knew that the cameras were in tight because it was TV and they filmed their TV like ECW where it's like all zoomed in and stuff, you know. And I was like, all right, well, I don't want – there's nothing worse than a guy who misses an atomic drop by four feet. So I was like, he's a little shorter. I'm going to squat down a little lower. So he gives me the one atomic drop. I squat down way too low. His Basically, his leg bone goes right into my tailbone, and I'm like, man, that hurt. And I went for the other one, and I just did the same thing for the reverse atomic drop. Boom, right on my tailbone again. Then, you know, Ric Flair spot up and over the top, clothesline on the apron, fall to the outside, fall on the chairs, you know, all that. And that is really what set everything off because I just didn't realize that every time I did that stuff, I was just re-injuring and injuring further, This basically this crack in my spine. And uh, so I finally went in and they gave me some physical therapy. And they, And what they would do is I went in three times a week. And I would go in three times a week, and then I would wrestle, and I'd come back on Monday, and they're like, you just undid everything we've done. Because <laughs> like, you know, like, they would be working on me, and I would be getting some improvement, and then I'd go wrestle a match someplace and come back, and they're like, what's going on? Like, you're worse. And then that's when they started doing x-rays and everything, and that's when they're, they found out. And it was funny how I got the diagnosis, because it was like by accident. Uh, I got a call. I think this was around September. Uh, I got a call. And it was like the nurse, not not the doctor, but like the, the assistant or whatever, whatever they're called. And they're like, hey, you know, we got your results back and something, whatever. And we re-upped your physical therapy. And uh, and I asked a question. She's like, oh, yeah, well, the pain's probably from the spina bifida. And I was like, uh, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> like, God bless you. <laughs> like, what is it? And she's like, oh, yeah, did they not tell you? And I was like, no. She's like, oh, yeah, you have spina bifida occulta, and here's what it is, and it's this info. And it's actually pretty common, but, like, this is why you, you have a weakness in your spine, and it looks like you just hit it the right way, and blah, 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 blah. So that's when I had to start seriously thinking about, okay, this is serious. And then we were going up to um, the big show at AIW, Hell on Earth, 14, and it was, like, it was literally, like, the week before. And... I had seen my doctor again, and they, that's when it was like the real talk, where it was like, listen, you're, this is dangerous. Like, you have stress fractures in your spine that are growing. Like, you're going to have a full-on break or something here, and, like, this is a big problem. And that's when I kind of had to make the choice, and I had to send the hardest message I've ever had to send, which was as, a, as an AIW tag team champion, which was like such a major thing for me in my life, I had this message John Thorne and be like, I can't be your champion anymore, <laughs> you know. 
And, uh, in a lot of ways, I'm thankful because it didn't just end right there. I mean, I knew going into my last two matches that they were probably my last two matches. So I got to wrestle Space Monkey. I didn't tell anybody. Because uh, a week later, when it was announced, Space Monkey's like, "Dude, why'd you fall down so much in our match? I didn't know." <laughs> hey, well, what are you gonna do? Like, just stop <laughs> taking bumps and, and well, stop- so that's what that's what some people suggested. I mean, that's that's wow. what like I, I had some friends who were like, "Dude, just start, you know, just start doing the honky tonk man match." And I was like, "You know what? I'm not that guy though. Like, I like to go for it. I mean, my, I should I should have been." Like a five foot eleven, like you know, for wrestling, like a little guy, because the way I like to bounce around the ring, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I should have been like uh, like Buddy Landell or something, <laughs> you know, but but uh, I just I, I I couldn't I I don't think I could live with that. I don't think I could go on the ha ha tour and just not do anything like Honky Tonk Man, you know. I just I so I just had to make the choice because I my my wife always tells me one of my biggest flaws I think is that I'm an all in or an all out type of person where it's like I'm either going 100 miles an hour or I'm staying home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? you're not you're and, not gonna just half ass it. No, you're not. Gonna no, put it in. I, I couldn't live with it, and and that would feel like stealing to me. And and I also just I was pretty freaked out, honestly. Like at the time, I was like, "Okay, well, this is crazy. Like, what am I doing?" So I finally kind of snapped out of it because even after I had this spina bifida diagnosis, dude, I wrestled that weekend in one of like the funnest matches I've ever had. But like, I got hurt so many times in that match because what happened was for about the two months I wrestled after I had the diagnosis, I I was trying to alter how I was wrestling to like not now that I knew it was my tailbone, I was kind of freaked out. So I was like, okay, all right, it's my lower spine. So let me let me try to bump a little higher. Let me try to alter the way I'm falling. And I started hurting my neck. Like I started landing on the top of my like the top of my back, and I started getting like multiple times I was hurting my neck and stuff. And I was just like, man, I just didn't know what to do. But I mean, if, if I'd known what had happened initially, I should have taken my wife's advice, which was just take some time off, you know, if, early on, if I had taken some time off and then knowing what I had, the injury wouldn't have gotten as bad as it got. But that's the wrestling sickness, right? Like time off is the devil. You know, it's like, no, no, no. Time off means I lose my spot, which means I'm not a tag champion or I don't get booked or I don't get booked to, to get uh voodoo ooze from Papa Shango. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so like that's the problem. That's the problem with wrestlers is it's just – that's the mentality of like, no, 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 tape it up and go. It's okay. You got to get out there. There are fans. You got to give them a show. And if I had just used the smart part of my brain and just been like, hey, you're hurt. Why don't you sit out for a couple of months? I might be wrestling this weekend. But that's also the catch-22. Like, yeah, your wife tells you, like, hey, you, you can take some time off. But then in the back of your head, well, I lose my spot. I lose yeah. my championship. And th- – who knows who the next person up is going to be? Then when yeah. I send that text, hey, we have nothing for you. And that's where you kind of play like your own little, like, I guess you could say, like, almost own, dance of the devil. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just, you're making up all these different scenarios where all these people, if you tell them, hey, I have a bad back injury and yeah. I need to take some time off to recover and it was doctor's orders. Where most of these people are probably going to look at you and say, yeah, get better. We'll think of something so when you're ready to come back, it will be worth the while and it will. Yeah. But 
you can't think like that. Your your biggest thing is, hey, I'm at the top of the world right now. If I if I leave, this isn't going to be here, right? And, and, yeah, or the, or everyone's going to forget about me, or they're gonna there's not going to be room for me on the card. Uh, exactly. You're exactly right. I mean, I just nobody really accomplished anything great by being safe, and that's kind of the mentality. You know, you got to put yourself out there. But again, hindsight being what it is, I wish I would have taken a little step back and been like, okay, pump the brakes. And knowing what I know now, you know, from how well I've gotten to know guys like John Thorne and stuff, like he's my actual friend. So like (laughs) knowing that now, I I think I could have taken a year off and he would have been like, yeah, give me a call when you're ready, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's just, I, I made the decision to, I kept saying when I when I came back to wrestling, everyone like not everyone, but people were asking me like, "What's your goal here? What are you doing?" And I just always said, "I'm just making hay while the sun shines." Like I'm a young man, so I'm gonna try to do with this what I can while I can. And I just always kept telling myself like, "When the wheels fall off, that's it. That's fine." But the trick is to try to jump out of the car before it crashes, right? <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you don't have any brakes. Well, and that's why I feel right. Yeah, coming back from Cleveland. <laughs> That's why I feel lucky in the sense that, you know, I got to make the choice as hard as it was to be like, all right, well, this is just going to be it. And John gave me the, the, the blessing of getting to just finish up and then have in my last match, I actually ended up being two matches, <laughs> which was fun. And those guys were nothing but respectful because it was just like, what do you want to do, man? This is your night. What do you want to do? And my only regret, if I, if I had to find a regret, is that even looking back, I just watched the footage for the first time, uh, like a month ago. Wow. Uh, I, I, I was not in like a top, uh, capability. Like I tried to do what I could, but the match was very simple. I really tried to be safe while also like the first spot of the match is me getting knocked off the apron into the guardrail back first. Cause I wanted the crowd to be like, Oh shit, his back. And that's exactly what happened. I remember I hit the guardrail and there was a fan. That was like a grown man. It wasn't like some kid. They were like, dude, his back. Take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but like looking at it, like I think the crowd was with it. I've never had a better night in my life. I, you know, wrestling, like it was, it was amazing. It was a surreal night and I was smart enough. And you'll see this in the documentary because we did a bunch of interviews with me because my, my, my main point of the documentary before I got hurt was I wanted to talk about the mental health aspect of wrestling and performing. And I was, I was very honest in one of my early interviews of the anxiety of being a performer, of being a wrestler, especially of traveling, of being away from your family and friends, of missing opportunities because you don't want to miss entertaining someone else's kids in Toronto, you know? So I was very open and brutally honest about how it feels and the bad, the bad mental aspect of being a wrestler and how stressful it could be. But this injury, having wrestled injured for two months opened my eyes to a lot more. And I really got to enjoy that last two months. Uh, even toward the end when I knew it was my last couple of matches, I took it all in. Like, even if I look at pictures or footage of that last night in AIW, like I'm making eye contact with everyone in the building. Like I'm like, I'm taking in this moment because I don't think this will be the biggest moment of my entire life, but it's definitely like easily one of the coolest. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah that know, entire so, uh, arena was like team Magnum CK and well, I, it was funny because Nick Gage, <clears throat> Nick Gage didn't know what was going on. 
And I don't want to kill his gimmick, but Nick Gage is the coolest dude ever. <laughs> like, he's just one of the coolest guys. And Spoiler he's alert. standing next to me at my gimmick table before the show, and he didn't know that everybody knew it was my last show because he doesn't check the internet or anything, you know? And we're just kind of shooting the shit. And then I sell out of my T-shirts, like, before the show even starts, and there's this big line of people giving me gifts and taking pictures and just talking to me. And he just looks at me and he goes, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and he's like, do you know that your gimmick table line is longer than La Parca's? <laughs> well, but, the, you know, the moments that no one will ever see were the best. Like Nick Gage downstairs at the building pulling me aside and being like, dude, you're a good worker. Like that meant more to me than almost anything. Because like all I ever, and I said this in my speech, I think, all I ever wanted to be was just good at wrestling. And Nick Gage pulling me aside and be like, dude, you're good at this. You're really good at this. Anytime you're up in New Jersey, let me know. You got a place to stay. You want to come up to our school and teach? I'd love to have you. You know, or Eddie Kingston with tears in his eyes, just pulling me aside and hugging me and just looking at me and just being like, I don't know what to say. It's like, I remember watching Eddie Kingston in, uh, as a fan of Chikara and being scared to death of him for real. <laughs> and then, like, now he's hugging me and with tears in his eyes in the back, and it's like, man, I, you can't trade that for anything. No, it, even being in the crowd, knowing that it's your last match, like you were going up against no consequences, everyone just kind of assumed, hey, this is going to be their last match, okay? Um, it's either they're going to lose the titles to no consequences, and... Like myself, and I, I kind of plead ignorance here. It didn't even occur to me the opportunity that Weird Worlds had. Yeah, I didn't even think of it. it. It literally, like, as as soon as their music hit, I was like, "Oh, that's the direction they're going. I love it. Let's do it." Because what a perfect send off. And I love those guys, and so it was. It was a pleasure. It was my pleasure to you know kind of pass that down over to them because they definitely deserved it. They paid their dues there for a long time. But my, one of my favorite parts <clears throat> was after we beat No Consequences and I grabbed the mic and was doing just kind of a heel promo like, hey, Frankie, give me your belt. I'll take this belt. I'm leaving Cleveland. Goodbye. Like, I'm going to Florida. <laughs> you know, and just the, the literal confusion in the crowd of like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, like, you can't take those? <laughs> <laughs> what? Was this all bullshit? Like, what is he doing? And then I think as soon as the music hit, everyone was like, oh, yeah, which was good because one of John Thorne's biggest fears was, you know, I had all this baby face momentum being my last night that Weird World would get booed or something, but I think that he set it up in the in the in just the absolute perfect way. Oh, yeah. And it was just, um, I don't know, it, it was just, it really was just a complete pleasure. Yeah, it, it was a great moment to be a part of as well, more than anything. And it was unfortunate to see you go, but there's also so much knowledge they can pass on. And you even said it yourself, being in a position and the one thing that you wanted to do was be by your peers more than anything, be considered good at your craft. And not everyone gets that honor. And to be pulled aside and by the people that you essentially look up to the most or even aspire to be the most being told, you know what? You're really, you're really fucking good at this. And I don't think I've said it enough. Like I'm sure that was probably the best way that you could have thought to go, but 
and I kind of attribute it to, like, your last match, obviously, people are, oh, come on, his back. Like, he's hurt. Like, this is his last match. <laughs> I kind of attribute that to, like, when Daniel Bryan announced, like, he's cleared to wrestle. And then yeah. the night that he announces that he's cleared to wrestle, next thing you know, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens attack him. And you're watching that, and I just remember being in the moment, like, oh, my God, his head. It's like, wait, no, he's cleared. Right. Like, he's fine. Right. Like, I had the same, big... dude, I had the same yeah, thing. Every, yeah. I think everybody had the same feeling. Like, no, what are you doing? Like, why are you hitting him? Like, he's not clear. Oh, yeah, he is cleared. Never mind. He's good. And that's kind of the same thing where, yeah. you know, it's his last match, and what's the, fir- what's the first bump he takes? And back first into a guardrail. No, not what? his back. No. Like what? Well, I was totally on purpose. I was like, I want everyone to be, because everyone knew about it. So I was like, I want everyone to be worried about this. But uh, you know, in 2003, Greens Greensboro, uh, Ric Flair, they had a night where they honored Ric Flair, and he said, you know, they had all the locker room out to sell, and he said something that I've literally taken with me ever ever since, which he said, "There's nothing, nothing, nothing like the respect of your peers." And ever since then, I've always, that's always what I strive for. I mean, just being like, well, you get the respect of your peers. Like, that's all that really matters at the end of the day. And everything else just comes along with it. So I, I felt very respected in that locker room, and I still do. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I haven't been to an AIW show in a little while, but um, I still feel that way. So I think that that's, you know, you you command respect. You don't demand it, right? You know, you, you have to yeah. carry yourself and give respect and then you get genuine respect back, and that's that's important. I think that's how I try to handle myself. I, I completely agree. And if you don't have the respect of the people in the locker room that are literally in there putting their lives on the line and putting their lives in your hands and vice versa, if they're not there with the same intentions or if they're just simply – like you even mentioned, you refuse to do just phoning it in. Like, oh, this is just another paycheck. Like, let, let's just get through the show, and then tomorrow I'll be at the Browns game in the Muni lot, just drinking away. Like, let's just get through this so I can get to that or whatever it may be. Like having that respect of people saying you're good, and when I'm in the ring with you, and just be knowing that if they see a card, uh, we actually just talked to someone the the other week. We don't want to reveal anything because obviously, like it, it's an episode that hasn't dropped yet. One thing that really aggravated him was someone came out on social media and made an announcement. Who did I piss off to get this match? And it literally just lit a fire under this person to say, "You know what? I'm tired of being viewed as this person, where I'm not respected in the locker room, where." When I'm booked in a match with this person, everyone thinks that they're being punished for a reason. I'm done being that person, and I really need to reevaluate what I'm doing. Now, whether or not that person took that to heart and did the right thing, quote, unquote, air quotes, is obviously that's an episode you're going to have to tune in to figure out. But being in a position where you're, you're respected and your peers look up to you and even being on a card with you is deemed as a pleasure it, it it pays more than that envelope at the end of the night does. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. Because well, money money comes and goes, but that that feeling is forever, man. And like, I don't know. It, it's it's definitely a struggle. Like, I'll just be honest. I think about wrestling every single day. Like, every there's not a day that goes by I don't have a promo idea or or think about like, oh man, Danhausen and I we could really do something fun. You know, like oh, don't geez, that's, tempt me with a good time. I mean, I, I literally think about it every single day, and that's that, that's not. I mean, that's kind of a sad thing, I think, in a weird yes. way. But but it just 
it, it never leaves you. I just watched, I don't get to watch a lot of this stuff, but I just watched a little documentary they did about Sting when he came back and uh, uh, had his neck injury and everything. And the last thing he says in that documentary was like, well, I'm a pro wrestler and I mean, I guess I'll always be a pro wrestler. And like I, that resonated with me so much where I was like, man, it just never ends in your brain. Like, even if your body were to give out, like Sting couldn't stand up. And he was just thinking, like, got to finish the match, got to finish the match. You know, it's just, I don't know why wrestling sinks into people like that. And I guess it's not for everybody. But I think about it even today. I was like, I was thinking about spots. You know, I was like, oh, man, that'd be a funny spot. Like, oh, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah. It, it it just never leaves you. You you're just kind of sitting there, like thinking, man, if I could just have an opportunity, like you said, Danhausen, please don't don't toy with me right now. God, that would I'm just like trying to, I'm I'm not even trying. Like literally, the promos are just going through my head right now. And it would be it would be insanity. Like it, it would be absolutely. the craziest. It would be like the craziest twenty five minutes. <laughs> oh my god it, it would i would pay top dollar just to be there to see that not just like injury aside like even yeah. if it was just announced and you you didn't you weren't born with spina bifida like i would be there immediately but i think you you raise a good point i think one thing in today's day and age that is an art that's kind of gone by the wayside is the art of a good promo and I, I, I've always looked at you as someone where you push that record button, you're just going to go. You had some of the best promos, and I'm not just trying to blow smoke up your ass. I always loved your promos. And I, I thought yeah. you were one of the best in the industry, and not even in Cleveland, someone that you could literally captivate an audience through your promos. So what if you were – let's just kind of play virtual reality here. You're in a promo class right now. You're trying to teach – the superstars of tomorrow, the art of a good promo, what kind of advice would you give to them to get their point across and to captivate the audience and get them invested? Well, I mean, I actually did a promo class for AIW back in February for the Harley ratio. I did a, I had a whole, uh, we actually filmed it. Um, it'll be part of the documentary too, but I mean, there's just so much that goes into it. I mean, the first thing is you have to think about promos, and you have to be a, not only a performer, but you have to figure out how to be a writer. And I never wrote anything word for word. I never wrote anything down. I mean, I still have a phone full of notes of little promo sayings and ideas. And I just put new ideas in there like over the weekend. Like I still write down promo ideas and, and sayings and catchphrases and everything. Um, I still do it every day. But, uh, the, the biggest thing is have that writer's mentality. And you look at any writer or any stand-up comedian, and eventually in their career they find their voice, right? But that's only after they imitate their favorite comedian for five years <laughs> or two years or they imitate their favorite writer for a couple of uh, you know manuscripts or books, and then they start to find their own voice. So you just have to do it a bunch, and you have to really watch it with a critical eye. And I think – the biggest key is if you can find someone who's not a wrestling fan to watch your promo and be like, that was fake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe you. Try it again. It feels like you're lying. <laughs> right. 
because I, I'm also I'm a trained actor. I mean, I've, I've I've studied all kinds of different acting styles, including improv and you know Stanislavski and Meisner and everything. So I mean, I've had a lot of time acting, and that helps a lot. But you just have to have that entertainer's eye. You have to be able to look at something and be like, well, that's that's too long. That doesn't make sense, or or that's too many ideas. Like you have to keep it simple. So. What I really feel like I got going with good promos, especially in my last year or so, I feel like I had some of my best promos, was when I really thought much more simply. And I would really think about one major point that I want to get across and then kind of build around that or figure out an interesting way to get to that point or just repeat that point a few times. And um, also, you have to trick yourself as an actor because, like, as a wrestler, I said some of the wildest shit I've ever said in my life. But at the time, in that character, I believed it completely. Like, I thought I was telling the truth. So you have to convince yourself, because you know those promos. You've seen those guys who put out the promos where you're like, dude, that feels phony. It's because they don't, they don't even buy it. And if, if, if you as a performer, if you don't believe it, nobody else is going to believe it either. And that's a Ric Flair thing. Ric Flair said, when you walk through the curtain, the first three seconds you walk out is the most important part of your match because that's when the crowd decides whether or not you believe your own bullshit or not. And so I just always think, just believe it. Just go with it. Trust it. Trust your instincts. And honestly, most of my promos were first take. I really I really would get it down the first time because I think that that's when the, the most passion was involved. But uh, you can see how this promo class went. It was probably about five hours longer than it needed to be. But, but um, <clears throat> I would always take real feelings and inject it into my promo. So I would find real frustrations or real things that I like. I want to prove myself. I'm good at this. I'm a star. And you know what? I'm going to find that fire in my belly. And I'm going to turn it into a promo about a match with some guy I never met. You know, so I would find that real fire and passion of like, fuck you, I'm good at this. And I'm going to tell you that I'm good at this and just fictionalize it and turn it into a promo because those feelings were real. I really wanted to be like, no, I've loved this my whole life. I'm, you're going to know that I'm awesome at this and I'm going to tell you about it. And then just also add in the date and the location. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just remind people where they can see this. (laughs) Right. And, and the big, the big thing is keep it simple. So find a couple of beats that you want to get across. And one thing that I learned from Roddy Pipe was he, he told me, uh, a little trick, and I think I've heard him say this on some interviews too, but when you have something really important that you're trying to say, you vary your pace. You start to speak with the rhythm of your heart, right? So you you, you connect with people's heart rhythm because if it's something, you, Dusty Rhodes does it, Roddy Piper does it a lot. They'll whatever that big important thing they want to say, they change their speed and they say it a certain way so it sticks out. And I, that's one thing I try to teach some of the AIW guys when I've worked with them a little bit. And I still, to this day, have people I know and complete strangers in wrestling send me their promos to be like, would you mind watching this and giving me some tips? Which I think is awesome. <laughs> like, I think that's such a cool compliment. And I literally, I every time, 
I sit down and I watch it and I send them notes and I tell them what I think and what I think it did well and what I think that they could think about for the future. But um, that's that's really it is keep it simple, believe it, and just start small because I I searched for a character for I was an active wrestler for almost nine years combined. I searched for a character for probably seven and a half of that of those years, just searching, searching, searching. And then when I finally stopped searching and I just let the character find me is when I started to actually have a character. So I think just start small, keep it simple, let the character start to build, let mold your personality, put, put, inject your personality into it. And again, long story short, too late. Uh, who do you love? Who, whose promos do you love? And then figure out, this is what my wife, this is the best advice my wife ever gave me in wrestling. Because I, I had a I had a match. It was Jock Sampson and me against Marion Fontaine and Devon Dudley, and we tore the house down. I mean, we tore the house down. It was awesome. And I was sitting at the restaurant with my wife after, and I was down. And she was just like, "What is wrong? <laughs> like, you know, it was this big amazing night. What is wrong with you?" And I was like, "I'm just not feeling it. I'm not feeling the character." And she's like, "Well, what is it that you want to do?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And I told her some dumb ideas I had. And she's like, "I think that's dumb." <laughs> she's, like, she's like, "Who are your favorites?" And I was like, "Rick Rude, Rick Flair, Terry Funk. You know, like I named off all these people, Andy Kaufman." And she was like, "Okay, why?" And I was like, well, okay, well, Terry Funk does this, and he's really funny, but then also he can switch gears, and you think he's going to kill somebody. And then Ric Flair was really smooth in the ring, never stopped, and his promos were loud and flamboyant, and Andy Kaufman was just a natural heel, and, like, Rick Rude had so much charisma, and I love the way he sold. And she's like, okay, take, don't copy them, but take all of those things that you love and the reasons why you love those guys and just start trying to do that. And it was like the world never seemed so easy that at that moment I was like, yeah. wow, okay, this, she's never watched wrestling in her life. She's an actor. She's a brilliant performer and director and choreographer. I mean, she's an expert in entertainment, but she didn't, doesn't watch wrestling. And it was just like light bulbs. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. It's that simple. I could just be like the wrestlers I love. Yeah. And you never know where that aha moment's going to come, even if it's not from a wrestling fan. Dude, uh, I think it was John Lennon was talking about how he would sit down at a piano for like eight hours and try and write a song and nothing, just garbage, nothing, no, no ideas, nothing. And then he would think, I am terrible at this. I'm a hack. Uh, this is a fluke. I should not be famous. And he would go to the kitchen and start to make a sandwich. And then a tune would, a tune would uh, pop into his head and he'd run back to the piano and write a hit. So it's just like, you have to put yourself out there in the universe in a way, right? Like you have to sit at the piano for eight hours and be frustrated and then give up and then it hits you. And that's the same. I sat in a wrestling ring for seven and a half years frustrated. And then I decided like I give up and then it was like, Oh, Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. I don't have to try that hard. It just happens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like just the, the art of, of trying is not trying. It, no, it's like one of our friends, he's told me this with dating, and it's also helped, it's also worked with just general life. You're trying, you're trying, you're trying, you're thinking of everything, you're trying to do anything, and you're getting nowhere, you're, you can't. Stop. Yeah, you literally, 
when you least expect it is when some is the, that thought comes in your head, that solution comes in your head, you know, yeah. whatever. It, it's kind of like, um, it, and not trying to like steal anything, but like when I'm trying, like uh, I, I work in sales, I'm in financial sales. What I'm not thinking, like one of the biggest things, and it's a horrible mentality to have. Everyone in the profession that I have says you always work better. Now, I don't recommend this for any wrestler whatsoever. Once again, this is a public warning. Do not follow in my footsteps. Personally, I always found that I sold better in my profession, and we'll leave that off the table of what I did. I sold better when I was hungover because I did not give a shit. I did not care. I literally just wanted to get in, get out, and go home, and I did not give a shit. When you didn't give a shit, the things that came out of my mouth, other than vomit, were perfect. <laughs> yeah. There was one time where I had a customer tell me that she, and I am not, and I, well, I'll say the what she told me. I tried to sell her on something. Once again, not giving anything else. She told me that she wanted to prey on it. Now, <laughs> I personally am not a, I'm not a religious man. I literally, out of nowhere, just hit her with, oh, you're, you're not, you're a religious person as well. I am as well. What's your favorite passage? She hit me yeah. with something. I literally hit her with a Bible verse just out of nowhere. Stating how God puts us on the right path, uh, puts us on the path to righteousness to lead us on the path to redemption. And I feel like God put you and I in the right position today. <laughs> so that way we could find the path of righteousness together. So tonight while you're sleep, while you're praying on it, I'm going to be halfway through the process to getting this taken care of for you. And when God shows you that right path tomorrow, you already know that you're on the right path. So what card are we going to use for this deposit? <laughs> and she literally just replies back. There was like a 15-second pause, and she just goes, it's going to be a visa. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like perfect. I, that was the best sales day that I had, and I was hungover because I didn't care. I didn't think. I literally couldn't because my blood alcohol level was probably like three times the legal <laughs> limit. But I just turned off my brain and I stopped thinking so much. So well, people can—it's like they can smell it, like they can—they can sense it. You're trying too hard. You're put, like I can tell you of all the job interviews I've had in my life, the ones where I felt like I danced the hardest and tried the hardest were the ones I never got. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the jobs also, I thought I landed, like I, I got a rejection letter on Friday because they always send them on Friday because they want to ruin your freaking weekend. They're like, right. well, he can drink afterwards. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess that's good. Also, as a side note, I was really hoping that your favorite Bible verse was Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't. I don't record it in monitor line. I don't think that would have went over to. Uh, I have a favorite Bible verse, and you're like, you can read your Psalms, <laughs> and your John three sixteen. <laughs> yeah, would not have had a job. Job done. <laughs> <laughs> you can take your vitamins and drink your milk and say your prayers. I, I I don't do a good Austin. I'm sorry. All you had was an empty bottle of Thunderbird, son. <laughs> oh my god! 
<laughs> yeah, that's where I went wrong. That's where I went wrong. Yeah. I, yeah. I went too religious when I should have just went with Austin 316. Yeah. Yeah. She she would have probably just given me the like the the visa right off the bat at that point. Like you know what, I'm extremely terrified of you. So here is my card. Don't ever call me again. No, that's how you should have ended. Once she gave you the number, it's like I got one more Bible verse for you. <laughs> <laughs> my God, you're gonna ruin my reputation. Hey, you're the one who just said that after the call. You cracked two beers, so. I did, yeah. I had to celebrate somehow. So it, you you get a big sale like that, yeah. You got a drink. I something had to get rid of the hangover, a little hair off the dog that bit you. But uh, you talk about how you you go to auditions and you really have a very vast um, acting career and, and theater career, and your wife as well is a very well skilled chore- choreographer, director, actress as well. Kind of tell us a little bit about your theater career, because that kind of seems like it's more of your passion now that you've taken a step out of the squared circle. Well, it, it kind of has been, uh, you know, always anyway. I mean, when I when I went back to wrestling, I, I really had to put a lot of theater on the on the back burner just because, uh, you know, originally John Thorne booked me for Absolution uh, 12. Uh, wanted to book me for Absolution 12, you know, Arn Anderson was there and everything, but it was on the same night that I had a, a contract with a theater. I was performing in a production of Hairspray, so I couldn't accept the booking, and it was like, it just was, cru- I was crushed. What so, character were you in Hairspray? I'm sorry to interrupt. Well, that was my second time doing Hairspray, so the first time I did it, I was corny. Corny Collins, and then that that one I was Wilbur. I was playing the dad in that, <clears throat> so it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But you know, when I was re- you know when I was wrestling, I couldn't do theater. But I, I've done theater for you know honestly, really, really for eighteen years, but really consistently for like the last twelve. I mean, so um, basically, I just went right back into full time theater world and then some. And and we get to work together a lot, my wife and I, and. And uh, one of the theaters I run, I'm lucky enough to work for a theater. I, I, I'm their executive director. She's she's on the board of directors as the president, too. You know, so, like, we're just busy with it. And it's a family thing. Like, right now, my wife is bringing my our, our girls back from a tech rehearsal for a show that they're in. So it's just kind of the family thing. Uh, and that's why once I realized that, you know, wrestling was theater when i went back to it and i realized it was just theater that's when it all kind of clicked anyway but that's just what we do and i and i love it i really love i love to perform and i'm always going to perform and entertain or produce or whatever it is uh i'll be doing it my whole life i'm sure and uh whether it's a podcast or a play or a movie or anything uh so i just i just think that that's the type of uh, person I am, you know, one of the best messages when, when I had to announce, uh, that I was leaving wrestling, cause I didn't want it to be a surprise. I wanted everyone to know, cause I didn't want it to be like, Hey, I lost the belt. Bye. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, one of the best messages I got was from RJ city. One of my good friends, again, one of my actual friends from wrestling. And, uh, he said, I don't want this to sound too cold and I'm sorry about your injury, but I'm not worried about you at all. Like, I know that you're probably going to be busier now than you've ever been. <laughs> he's like, so you're, he's like, you're a performer, you're an entertainer. This is just what you do. So in my mind, it's just like, keep going, keep going forward. I mean, I miss wrestling probably more than I'll ever miss anything. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, uh, I just keep, keep on keeping on, man, you know? Well, I'm waiting for that episode of RJ City to drop with, <laughs> with you guys sharing coffee. 
Dude, I will be on like I'll like hire a trainer. <laughs> like because he's always like lean and you know he, he's like he's a, he's in underwear model shape and i'm like i'm not going to be the fat ass standing next to rj city <laughs> no what you need to do is you need to show up in one of those like t you know the t-shirts that actually has abs on it you're, the, you're in a t-shirt and and underwear so at least you got the t-shirt that looks like you have abs or like a onesie that's like designed for it like give yourself like a little fake bulge like homage like we're listening here <laughs> Like just well, like luckily, I've I've been able to keep in shape, and I, and honestly, uh, I, I'm I'm in I'm in really really good shape now. So uh, it wouldn't take me long. I just have to maybe maybe tan a little bit, maybe drop drop three or four pounds. <laughs> I need to add a couple of zeros in that if I was ever on his show. But I digress. <laughs> like we had him on our show a few weeks ago, and just to kind of get my co-host kind of catch him by surprise the second that we started the interview i literally just stood up and oh just yeah literally just all of a sudden he just drops off. his pants i'm like jesus christ pat like what are you Honestly, like rj city is easily the most talented person that i know like he is so effortlessly talented it's it's incredible like, absolutely just that like just even he and i have probably had I don't know, 20 hours worth of conversations <laughs> and there's never been an easier person to talk to, to joke with, to come up with ideas. Like the couple of times we've worked together in wrestling, he's always shown up with awesome ideas and like, there's just not a more consistently creative mind that I know in this world. <laughs> like we had a 40 minute interview like yeah. because we had we had to cut it off because otherwise it was going to go for seven hours. No, it was longer than a forty minute interview. But the first question, yeah, we asked, "Where are you from?" And he spoke for forty minutes. Yeah, like and just it it transpired. We, we continuously like, "How did we get here?" He's like, "You asked me where I was from." It's like, oh, okay, and then ten minutes later we keep going. How did we get here? You asked me where I was from. We just kept going. Yeah, and going. No, that, that was the only that, question we like, asked. He's featured pretty prominently in this documentary we have coming out, and he like he's also the most down to earth. Like it's crazy because he gave me uh, for for our cameras. He gave some of the best advice I've ever heard because I was just talking to him about how comfortable he seems and how how easily he just seems to adapt and handle like idiots online. And I was just like you know, you really seem to have it all together. And he goes, no, 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 I don't have it together. I think I'm just the most comfortable with being a fucking mess. <laughs> <laughs> that is a perfect representation of RJ City. We even asked him, too, like, there was one guy that was, like, talking down to him. He was like, I don't understand why my entire news feed today is just consisted of nothing but RJ City. He's like, in my defense, I didn't get any money for that, so you're welcome. <laughs> like, just the perfect, like, play on of, oh, like, your entire news feed is me, but guess what? I didn't make any money, so I'm happy I ruined your day. Exactly. Well, and then we also filmed a, a, a little interview about comedy wrestling with him and my friend Nug, who's a, a wrestling show host. And no, so uh, part of the one of the things we filmed in the documentary was RJ and another one of my friends, uh, Nug from Toronto. He's a wrestling show host on TV in, in, in Toronto and does improv and everything. And they talked for like they they did like 
it was just supposed to be an interview, and they did like improv for like forty five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that almost needs to be so, a separate video in itself. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I think uh, this has been awesome, dudes. Like, I think we're going to have to maybe have a second part somewhere down the road. We're <laughs> definitely going to have to have a part two. We definitely want to have you back on. We don't want to take too much of your time. Obviously, uh, your, your kids, your wife have probably just gotten home from rehearsal. So I, I just have one more question that yeah. – uh, and obviously uh, with your – with your vast knowledge, not even necessarily in the wrestling ring, just whether it be with promos, with theater, with creating a character, with making it your own, with with developing it and getting the crowd invested in it. I remember just seeing, I think it was Warp Tour. Everyone was coming up, and it was like a tweet from John Thorne that I saw. I don't know why it's popping out right now, but you were not at Warp Tour when they yeah. performed. And the one Instead of like pumping out the crowd, like the crowd that was there, the wrestlers that were there, the one tweet that John Thorne sent was Magnum CK. I can't tell you how many people have come up asking where you're at. <laughs> I don't know why that tweet is coming to me right now, but it, it just kind of that in itself is just an absolute because this event is taking place at, in Cuyahoga Falls. They, they yeah, they get people from all over the state, and people are coming up seeing that that AIW is performing at Warp Tour, and people are coming up. Well, where's Magnum CK? Like that's cool. It, like that's just an ultimate, just compliment in itself. But if you were to kind of take the time back, let's say that you're in a promo class right now and you need to give some advice to some individuals, whether they be in your theater classes or whatnot, that want to get into the world of professional wrestling, if you could give any advice, what would you give to them today? Fuck what everybody thinks. I mean, you know, that's it. I mean, it, you need to just forget what everybody else is thinking or stop. Don't waste your time worrying if you're going to please somebody or worrying if they're going to think you're good. That's that type of mentality will make you bad. It's like one of those uh, self-fulfilling prophecies, right? Where it's like I see so many people who are just trying to, you know, do what they think the director wants or, or do what they think the fans want or be what they think that they should be. And it's just a waste of time because there's only one you and, and everything that you put through your own filter is going to be unique. So fuck what they think. Uh, just, just be true to yourself. And it sounds trite and it probably sounds cliche, but it took me 33 years to figure that out. The other thing is there's no such thing as a fear of success. Because I hear people, and I was one of those people, where I thought, like, man, I'm sabotaging myself. I'm afraid of success. I'm afraid of success. No, there's a fear of hard work, and that's really the difference. We talked about, you know, letting go, like, earlier and, and kind of not trying so hard. It doesn't mean that you're not working hard, right? So it's, 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 it's stop trying to force everything uh, uh, a square peg in a round hole, but you're still doing all the prep, and you're working hard, and you're learning. So I would say don't be afraid of hard work and don't be afraid to be 100% yourself. If you do want to follow along, obviously you can find them all across social media. You can find them in all of our tagged videos, our posts, everywhere, all across social media. You can find us on Twitter. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook, wherever you follow along in what is going on in the world. You can find Magnum CK, and you can see where you can see him next in musical theater, in acting, or 
when he appears in the squared circle again. Who knows? Never say never <laughs> is always the tagline. I well, mean, we have a lot of video projects coming up as well. So, yeah, keep an eye out. And maybe I'll be hitting you guys up to promote some of that stuff. Hey, and we don't even need to ask us. We no. will absolutely post Oh, yeah, you want to come? Hey, you want to come back on? Just say, hey, guys, I'd love to talk to you guys again. Hey, we'll make time for we'll you. Do. Hey, I got we'll 45 minutes, and I'll text my co-host. Like, hey, you have five <laughs> minutes to get over here because we're calling CK in, like, ten minutes. That's well, literally I, how it's going to go. I really appreciate it, guys. <laughs> I can't wait to have him back on for part three, part four, part five, part six, part seven. What happened to part two? Well, part two, come on. That, that's a given. <laughs> that's that's a given. That's true. That, that's absolutely going to happen. What else is a given is obviously this coming weekend at IWC Pittsburgh Pro Wrestling Classic. You're going to see the Dark Match Podcast hosting the after party, which already has huge buzz and huge shout out going out to Justin and Jen. They're doing an outstanding job. Just the the promoting for the entire event, even the after party. I am so pumped to get there. Saturday cannot Dude, come soon gonna enough. So much fun! It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have live interviews. We're going to have music. There, there's going to be so much going on, not only at the event but also at the after party. If you can't make it to the event, definitely make it to the after party at Carriage Inn immediately following IWC Pittsburgh Pro Wrestling Classic. You are not going to. Re- you're not going to regret a second of it. Tons of interviews. A lot of you even coming out of the woodworks. And it really warms our hearts as well. Just, it really does. It really does. Just to see how many people actually do care. Uh, you, we, we film this podcast every single week and we, we, we continuously see mean, these numbers. Film? We're not on video, dumbass. I know. We record these Dude, episodes. Dude, you would say, watch, you know, Why listen you to our, dumbass? listen to our videos. It's like, what video? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> But we we record these episodes every single week, and we're like, okay, well, who's really listening to this? And then we like post something like that, like, hey, who do you want to hear on an interview? And next thing you know, like all these people are coming out, like, oh, we want to hear this person. Like, th- there's so many people that even like, oh, we love the bulk interview. Like, there were people that were like private messaging me, like, oh man, I can't believe you even got them to talk that much. I'm like, you listened like that? That's so flabbergasting to me. Yeah, like it, even after like almost two years of doing this, like it's still like a shock. Like, oh yeah, man, like listen to your podcast, like, like your podcast. I'm still waiting for that person to come up to me. Like, you guys fucking suck. And I'll just like shake their hand. You, you like, know, thank you, you for the viewership. You, you know who it's going to be? <laughs> it's probably going to be Book Nasty. <laughs> That's it, what I was going to say. It's going to be like, I fucking hate your show. Like, 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 I fucking hate your show. Like, I listen to it. I give you one star. If you look on Apple Podcasts, you're going to see that you got a one star rating. That was me, motherfuckers. And I'm just <laughs> going to shake his hand right before he chest chops me and say, thank you, Bulk. May I have another? That's probably not going to happen. It's going to be, please, sir, please don't ever do that again. But we'll see what kind of condition I'm in I'm on Saturday. But <laughs> speaking of Saturday, Pittsburgh. Speaking of. Speaking of, a lot going on at Pittsburgh Pro Wrestling Classic. Buy your tickets, guys. Seriously. Yeah. Like, it's literally jo- almost sold out. Join us. Join us. Join yeah. us in the spectacle that yeah. is going to be. We're going to be Pro walking around. We're, we're, I, we can't even sit down at these events. We, we watch the shows, but we like to walk around, take in the atmosphere, enjoy the time, enjoy the energy. And, and the fact that this is almost sold out, this event is going to be huge. 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 Haven't even busted that word out in a long time. We really haven't. No, we haven't. We really need to bring it back. But a lot of things. We need a better one. 
<laughs> we, we do need a better one. That one's kind of stale now. But kind of looking at the event in itself, a lot, a lot going on. And kind of want to get your predictions. So just kind of spitballing a couple out here. So kind of just starting off, we have the free-for-all, which is live on Facebook Live. So if you're not a subscriber to the IWC Network, if you're not already, head on over to IWCWrestling.com, subscribe, so that way you can watch not only this event, but you can go back and actually stream former events, previous events. Yeah, they're posting a bunch of old events. Oh, my God, so many. And you, I, I don't know if you had an opportunity to take a look at some of the cards from these previous events. Dude, I was. Oh, my God. Holy crap. Great cards. Yeah. They I'm always like, put on great I'm shows. I'm like, holy crap, I, did, I didn't completely realize that certain, like, there are certain performers that were there. I'm like, Jesus. But think back. Like, that was just six years ago, and, five and, years and ago. And you know what? In five years, we're probably going to be saying that about a lot of people here now. Everyone. Some of these are going to be big stars that, yeah. like, it, it's not going to, like, these people are going to go on to bigger and better things. Oh, yeah. And you're seeing, well, go I wouldn't really say now. bigger and better. Like, IWC is, uh, is great. Let's, but they're let's, going on to bigger things. Let's, let's say, I, I, I yeah, can't. You can't. I'm, I'm trying to put, find the right word, but it's just bigger. Bigger, bigger audiences they're Thank, going to. Yeah, they're going to go to bigger audiences. Yes. I, I wouldn't really say and better because no, they put on a fantastic they do. show. And you know what? This, these are the, these are great event. IWC yeah. is great events to go to because you, you know, it's, it's like a lot of others. It's, you know, it's great production, but then you can still meet these people, you know, especially you can, when you go buy their merch, a lot of these people are at their own tables. You can meet these people while, you know, while they're here. Well, that's pretty consistent with a large majority of independent shows. No, but that's but like, what I'm saying. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's go go to these shows. Like go to this one. But while it you makes can you see... feel like you're actually in an arena when you're yeah you're essentially you're you're sorry to spoil it for you. You're not in an arena, but it feels like you are. It oh, has yeah. that big time show feel, which I I just absolutely love. Oh but, yeah. The the free for all happens if you wanted if you want a little a little bit of information on what the IWC is if you haven't subscribed already a lot of matches going on but the one that you can see on Facebook Live is for the IWC High Stakes Championship I'm gonna be honest with you I'm still bitter oh I'm not no I know you're not because you're a piece of shit. No, you're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. RC Dupree is the greatest IWC high stakes champion of all time. Buy your own blooming on you later in the evening. Oh, man. God damn it. I was really <laughs> looking forward to that. But anyway, no, this, this we got guy, Daniel think... Hooven taking on for the high stakes championship, defending it against Mambo Italiano. Who you got? I'm going to go with, I think, who's going to end up being the longest reigning high stakes champion. R.C. Dupree? Oh, what? Well, R.C. Dupree is not a champion. Shut up. Yet. Yet. Not a champion yet. I'm going to also uh, have to go with uh, Daniel Hooven as well. Sorry, Mambo Italiano. I, I apologize in advance. Please don't be mad at us if you're going to be on our show on the after party. Um, we're taking Daniel Hooven. So, but obviously it's going to be a great match regardless. Moving on from there. I think a match that has a lot of storyline behind it, been quite a few months of build-up, too. Let's definitely touch on this. There's the IWC Women's Championship match. We got Ray Lynn taking on Katie Arquette. And obviously, with what's been happening previously, what are your takes on this? 
You got to take a deep breath before this. Huh? I do. Like, I think the biggest wild cards are going to be Justin Labar and Calvin Couture. I think so too. Is, are they going to get involved? How are they going to get involved? I guess if they're going to get involved. Well, it's if yeah. If they when gonna, is a better better. If question. they are going to end up being ringside for the whole match. I would. I'm going to take Raylan hands down. If they get kicked out, I think it. I think it's going to be a straight up match. I think it's that's one where it literally turns into a coin flip. Who you Let's, got? I think I'm going to take our essentially multi time guest in a Katie Arquette. I'm going to have to take. Um, I'm going to have to play devil's advocate here. So now I, I feel like Katie does have something up her sleeve. Now she's uh, instituted. The likes of Nystrom and and Slade previously, yeah, but they they have their hands full earlier or later in the evening, whenever with, it may be. With half of the regulators, with half of the regulators, so they they got a little bit more on their plate. So it, I don't see them coming out, but if I know Katie, she's, and I feel she like has, we know her pretty well, she she does have something up her sleeve, but I, I don't know it if it's what it takes now. Raylin, you had made a comment before we started recording that you feel like she's got something. She's kind of been avoiding, avoiding the situation. She's been avoiding the match. Whereas I feel like she is just, uh, she feels as though she's a little bit more superior. She has something to prove because she has been dodging for all these months. It puts her into a position where she needs to go out there and she can't be the same Ray Lynn. She needs to prove why she has felt as though she didn't have to defend the championship all those times. So I think we're going to see a, a different side of Ray Lynn that we haven't been intru- introduced to previously. So I'm going to have to go with Ray Lynn on this one. I think she's going to pull it out, retain the IWC Women's Championship, but... There's only one place you're going to see that, and that's uh, either on the IWC network or that's going to be in person in Elizabeth, Pennsylvania, where tickets are still available. Kind of jumping into two of our former guests uh, going at it here. They tried to settle the score at the last event. Unfortunately, injury got in the way. All right. So this is their their final bout, and that, of course, would be Dylan Bostic taking on Jimmy Nuts. I want to I want to plead here for a okay. second. Go right ahead. You have the floor. A lot of breathing dear, today, dear Jimmy. You know you've, you've come on our show. You know you've been you're a great guest. We had we had to have a two part interview. You're a fellow Browns fan. You know we you and I have had interactions on Twitter over the Browns. You really I just have. gotta I just gotta plead to you, man. Wear a helmet. Just please, like, bring a helmet, you know, full body bubble wrap, something. Please protect yourself. Are you are you literally <laughs> referencing Little Giants and Miles Garrett in the same <laughs> sentence right now? No, I'm no. My I'm, mom said the pads you gave me weren't enough. <laughs> no, I was not actually referencing Miles Garrett. I was thinking more game show. I was actually thinking the helmet that I wore. For my Legends of the Hidden Temple costume, something to protect. Can your- you bring that so we can give it to him at his merch table before the event? Oh, dude, I think I'm going to now. You better. I think I'm just gonna. It's like, dear, or just. It's or dude, almost when Christmas. Com- we dude, can give him a present. Dude, there we go. Com- dude, when he comes out for his entrance, I'm gonna be. Just, I'm just gonna yell, Jimmy, and just hold up the helmet. 
Do it. Do it to it, Lars. Do it to it, man. Who are you taking in this match? I, With I, or without a helmet? <laughs> I, I think Jimmy Nuts is finally going to get his redemption. I, I agree. So, sorry, you Dylan. Know, it's like, Dylan, you know... Hey, you came on. You came on and talked to us before. And we hope we get to talk to you again. But uh, I, I think this is one he's finally going to get his redemption. I, I agree. So it's the final bout. You need to. Uh, you need a little bit of redemption here. It's the final. What? What? <laughs> Why did we just start singing? Once again, for uh, clarification <laughs> purposes, um, this coming Saturday night, um, we are not turning the after party it into karaoke. Tur- it, it will not be karaoke. It will not be karaoke. Nope. Moving on to the next bout, we have the North taking on the Regulators. A lot of controversy behind this because we stage a little bit of a sit-in on this one. Yeah. We, we were a little upset why this match was announced. Um, it resulted in also Jock Sampson coming out and making a comment to us about it, which... Hopefully we'll uh, we'll get a few words in with a a fellow Ohio State fan oh, on Saturday. By the way, by the way, totally wearing my jersey on Saturday. Um, Ohio State. Uh, duh, because okay, dude, good. we're going and it's the Big Ten championship game that night. Which, yes, which but who are we playing? Wisconsin. Yes, which last time, but we, not Penn State. Well, well, yeah, because if we, yeah, because Penn State is on our side. So yes, I agree. Yeah, but last time we played Wisconsin. In the title game, fifty nine to nothing. I'm well aware. I but I digress. Yes, fellow Ohio State fan in Jack Sampson. Who are you taking in this match, though? America. Wow, I'm taking the North. I'm I'm going America. There is nothing stopping the North. You can go with America That's, all you want. There's nothing stopping I, the I, North. Honest. Josh Alexander I, I kinda, and I, Ethan Page are on a different level. I kind of come and, like I'll at me if you want to. I'll be honest, I they, kind of agree with you, but I'm still gonna have to. I, I feel you like gotta I gotta go play, with the Ohio State fans. I, That's fine, I, but I'm going with the North. I'm going with Canada. I don't care. I gotta go. I gotta go with my fellow Buckeye man. I gotta go. Well, there. You gotta go with the Ohio State fan, but here's one that I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a curveball at you with this one because this one I am excited. Excited just to watch. I don't even care who is wins. It, is it the dream match? It is the dream the, match. The Pittsburgh dream match. The Pittsburgh dream match. John McChesney versus Andrew Palace. I'm not even going to ask you who you have in this match. Plain and simple. I'm just excited to watch this oh, match. Oh, this one's going to be fun. Oh, it's going to be this so much fun. Be it's going to be so much fun. That I still have when an they idea announced that I, I was like, oh my god! I like, still have an idea of who I think may walk out of there, but I'm not going to say it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy it. I am too. I'm. I don't even think I can say anything that's going to pump it up. And and from even the last time we were there, which I know was July, was he had July? the man. Yeah, it was July. I thought it was it September. Had, it was no, it was July. Yeah, you're right. That god, it's been a while. That uh, he had. He had the match of the night, he so really I am. I'm call. I'm calling that this one could be one of the top two matches of the night. Well, the funny thing is, the following month he had the match of the night too. Well, then maybe maybe he's just should, he's got something he going should, here. He should. He he's just hot. He is having things are looking up, as Andrew Palace would say. But I'm just excited just to it's gonna watch. Be great. It's going to be fantastic. Next match that I want to touch on would be the stretcher match. They had a hellacious match at the last event, but 
Obviously, the score was not settled. So we got Atticus taking on Sean Phoenix in a stretcher match, which is definitely not for the faint of heart. This match could potentially go all over the arena. And oh god, I'm gonna have more chairs thrown at me. God yes, you are, and I'm so excited. <laughs> who you got in this? Who side, you got in this oh, one? Complete side note: When I was telling my mother about how we were heading to to Pittsburgh, she asked, "So has anyone threatened you with more chairs?" All, every day, <laughs> every day, Mama Rich, every single day. Um, who you got in this one? Sean call, Phoenix Atticus. I think this is gonna be Atticus. I could be wrong. I really could be wrong. But at the same time, we you know, his his Atticus his, is on his, his tear his, lately. Yeah, I th- I think Atticus could, but you know, his name is Phoenix, and you know what they do: rise from the ashes. Too sure. Right, right when he's down and out, you never. Yeah, I expect almost lights go out. He's they're going to come back on. He's going to be standing tall, and somehow Atticus is going to be on the stretcher. That's how I'm calling the end of the match. I'm calling it now. Well, speaking of rising from the ashes. We have Angelic versus Johnny Patch for the yeah. Super Indie Championship. Who you got in this one? I wonder if this is going to be the one where we finally see Johnny Patch pull out his, uh, you know, whatever he's been talking about since we were ta- since we talked to him. <laughs> I, 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 I hope. I hope. Please, something please, tells me that he's gonna that he's gonna need to pull out the spirit of Evil Knievel. Please, if you're listening. I love you. Please let this be yes. the one be moment. Of, be of evil Knievel, not his fat son, Robbie Knievel. Robbie. Robbie Knievel. Oh, oh dude, he, he was nowhere near as good. Be of evil Knievel, because honestly, I think he, this is going to be one. He is going to have to pull something out of the bag. I agree. I and think I, with with this with this transformation into Angelic, I think this Gregory, is... yeah. Yeah, I think this is... I think he's going to have to pull something out of the bag. I I think so, too. So I think this is going to be the one where we're going to see this phenomenal move that he's been referencing for so long. So once again, only one place you're going to see it. Get your tickets now. Speaking of great moments where anything can possibly happen, we have the Battle Royale. And not only does this feature a large majority of our favorite superstars, but at the same point, we have some new faces that are going to be jumping into the match as well. That you're going to see for the first time. Now, there's been a couple of people that have already come out and guaranteed victory. One of which has been none other than our former guest, the Man Dime Elijah Dean, guaranteeing that he's going to walk away with a victory. But we got a couple new faces in there, and some recent graduates. We got Thick Vic Braun being one of them. Chase Gold. We got. Anthony Young, and then we also have Miles Monroe. Some fresh new faces in the mix looking to make a statement in their debut. But then also we have our guests from last week. We got Bulk Nasty, and we also have Xander Gabriel, the team of Steak and Eggs. No longer a team competing against each other. Now, we have already found out that if it comes down to Steak and Eggs, they're probably just going to sit down and award the championship or the trophy to each other and then just split it amongst themselves. At least that's what Xander is saying, at least. But out of all of these names, and just to kind of give you a few of these names of some individuals that you're going to see in this match, so I already mentioned the steak and eggs. We got 
the Lebanon Don. We got Man Dime. We got Dan Hooven. We got Jimmy Vegas. We got Jamie Jameson. We got Mambo Italiano. And I feel like uh, you just already mentioned him. No, uh, we we mentioned quite a few, but uh, out of some of these names and just kind of looking at the poster as well, if you want to take a look at it, what is uh, what are some uh, what are you seeing here? We even got Calvin Couture in there as well. And a few former high stakes champions as well. What do you see here? Who do you got walking out of this? Come on, hit me with a brother. No, I think he's going to be hitting you you with it later. Mm. <laughs> Shut up. Honestly, I think it's going to come down to steak and eggs. I I have a bad feeling that that's going to happen too. I think it's going to come down to steak and eggs. I think it's if it's an opportunity for someone to really make a statement. Um, I'm going to put someone over right now, which I, I rarely ever do. Um, I mean, if I'm looking at somebody that they want to look at to be the next face of the company, whatever it may be, um, I got to go with Elijah Dean here. I really do. I, I think Man Dime's got something up his sleeve. I, I think he's got a, a back play here. Uh, he's got something in the works. He, he's got a plan. Um, he, he's pretty pissed off at the fans. They're throwing toilet paper at him, um, calling him garbage. He's got something to prove. Here's his opportunity to to gain that trophy, and, and I, I see him being the one walking out with it. So I'm taking Elijah Dean in this. Sorry, Bulk. Sorry, Xander. But I'm gonna go with the man dime here. So uh, I I don't I think he's gonna get too caught up in looking at his own reflection, and I think he's gonna get thrown out. I I Well you're a huge piece of shit for that one. But next <laughs> Oh my a piece of shit. You are a piece of shit. What for calling what I've seen? That he that he loves to look at himself? That yeah. He, I, he likes to look at himself before the bell rings, but when the bell rings it's all business. Yeah, and yeah, but if Go he ahead. gets if he gets an opportunity. The only reason why he didn't win the IWC indie championship, super indie championship, was because he was choking on Johnny Patch's chest there. Okay? That's the main reason. But moving on from there, <laughs> we have the IWC Heavyweight Championship. We have a match that literally has been a year in the making. I am beyond pumped for this. The promo videos that even came out, we even posted all across social media as well. If that does not get you pumped, I don't know what else will. At this point, I, I, I'm counting the minutes until I hear that bell for this match. It has never happened and now it is finally going to, uh, oh my God, it's finally happening. We have Jackson Argos defending the championship. I- I'm getting tongue-tied here. IWC World Heavyweight title. Against Jack Pollock. We have the era of Argos taking on the hardcore icon of Jack Pollock. Who do you have? Jack Pollock, hands down. Wow. The era wow. of Argos ends December the 7th. It will end. No. 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 The era of Argos will never end. I am taking Jackson Argos as the remaining. I got a hot take that I'm going to tell you off air. You can tell me off the air all you want, but I'm going to tell you a hot take at probably 11 o'clock. On Saturday of December 7th, when the era of Argos continues. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe. 
If you haven't already, yeah, be sure to follow us all across social media. If you haven't, be sure to also follow our guest this week, Magnum CK. Ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause. Making his return to podcasting with none other than the Dark Match Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week. Well, we will, we will see you on Saturday. We will see you on Saturday. Get your tickets now. IWCWrestling.com. Or you can head on over to any of our bios on any of our social media platforms, and you can go buy tickets now. Get them now before they're sold out. Seriously. They're selling out quick. Do, Do, it. It. Do, Do it. it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. See you next week. Whoa.